1: The brand new racing app for same-race multi-tips. Same racer.
0: Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet.
2: Gamble responsibly.
1: 1-800-858-858.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Hey, yes, good morning, Kia ora and uh, welcome into your Monday. This is mornings with Ian Smith. No, Smithy uh, today. He's still away in Australia, of course. He had the big call last night, and uh, the Black Caps once again defeated this time uh, a little bit closer, a lot more runs, a different track, but the same result. We're going to talk to Daniel McCarty about that, who called the game for SENZ yesterday. He's called all three games of the series, and we're going to catch up with him around 9.30 to talk about that, and where the Black Caps sit at the moment. Does New Zealand cricket need to be as ruthless as what Australian cricket is? You know, after what they did with Aaron Finch this tournament, he, I think, scored a total of 21 runs in the series against Zimbabwe. He's obviously had a terrible series against New Zealand, and he's gone. Retired from ODIs, going to be replaced as captain of the ODI team. I guess the question is just, with who? And uh, we'll get to all of that With Daniel McCarty. After 9.30 we're also going to talk around 10 o'clock we'll have a panel. Sam Hewitt and Mark Watson are going to join us. We'll talk some of the big news from the week including the NRL. Speaking of the NRL, Andrew Voss is going to join us after 11 o'clock as well. The voice of Rugby League as he dubbed it Sin Bin Sunday. We're going to have a confessional with Vossie. And we're also going to catch up with Dave Allen, our IndyCar expert. Of course uh, the last race of the IndyCar season is on today. We hoped hoped that Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin might be in with a chance to win the championship. But uh, at this stage, looking pretty unlikely They're A bit too far down the field, a bit too far off the pace uh, in Monterey today. So, But we'll catch up with Dave Turner to talk that and Indy Lights as well. All of that and more to come, plus your calls between now and 9.30 on 0800 150 811. Mm-hmm. What a way to farewell the breeding ground of New Zealand motorsport, Pukekohe Park Raceway. The Giz put himself on top of the podium for the last supercars race to be held at the Grand Old Lady, and he dubbed it better than Bathurst. It was fitting that one of her progenies stand proud and victorious on that final day as we bid farewell to a place that's given so much joy to Kiwi sport fans and produced so many champions. Generations of big names started there, Paul Radisich, Jason Richards, Greg Murphy, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin and then the likes of Jim Richards, Bruce McLaren, Denny Holm and Chris Amon further back. It's not just New Zealand's best drivers that have tested their mettle there either. Graham Hill, Kike Rosberg, Jackie Stewart, Sterling Moss, Peter Brock, Dick Johnson, some celebrated names have visited these shores and tested themselves on that track there's a huge amount of history there and I hope it's recognised and remembered in an appropriate way and then there's Kenny Smith, you can't mention Pukekohe and not mention Kenny Smith the bloke has been racing at Puke almost as long as it's been running and will have more laps and more sweat on that track than anywhere anyone else, he will feel its closure more than most where next? Highland Park Hampton Downs, Taupo Motorsport Park, these are all possibilities, but nothing will have the magic and mana of Pukekohi.
4: We'll back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50 dollars Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
3: It's eight past nine. Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him of course and I want to hear from you a big weekend of sport of course, we've currently got the US Open men's final on we have got IndyCar final race of the season on, we've got the NFL underway, proper all the games going on at the moment as well, a few have already finished, we've had the Sevens World Cup finals, disappointment for New Zealand, both the women uh, Black Ferns Losing to the Aussies and the men's. The All Black Sevens losing to Fiji. But two silver medals at the Sevens World Cup for New Zealand. Then there was the cricket last night. And three zip at red. It was a better performance from the Black Caps. Probably a better team, better balance. Great to see Glenn Phillips get an opportunity. And really make those Aussies stand up and take notice of him. Nish had a good uh, good session with the bat as well. Jimmy Nishman. Finn Allen impressed at the top. So the future is bright for New Zealand cricket, but when will New Zealand cricket pull the trigger on some of the older, more storied names, and is it time to start making those changes, as we've seen the Australian cricket team do? Keen to hear from you on your highlight from the weekend. Of course, it wasn't all doom and gloom. We had Pukekohe, and we bowed out beautifully, as I just mentioned there, with the giz on top of the podium. What are your favourite, most treasured memories of Pukekohe? How will you remember Remember that great racetrack. Let us know. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. And then what about those NRL finals? Man, I mean, we saw the Panthers take on the Eels on Friday night. Taylor May, yellow carded. Sinbin in the first 10 minutes. Oh, damn shame. And then did his hammy, apparently, might not be fit for the grand final. If that's not proof that karma exists, what is? Hey, um, so we had that game.
5: How hilarious was that, though? <laughs> when that happened, I was just like... I was watching and when that happened and I'm like thinking, Peter Volandis, I wish we had a camera on Peter Volandis <laughs> right on this very moment because, like, as you said, that was karma coming home to roost, wasn't it?
3: It was. I'm, w- I'm wondering whether or not Peter Volandis is going to delay the grand final a week so that Taylor May can play, um, you know, give the fans what they want um, and all of that. Um, so we had that game. We had the Storm being beaten by a very good Raiders team as well. So the Storm had gone... Week one of the finals. We had an absolute ding dong at Shark Park as well, and the Cowboys getting up by two over the Sharkies. That was a fantastic game of footy. And then yesterday, as Andrew Voss coined it, Sin Bin Sunday. Get me to a confessional. Seven Sin Bins in the Roosters Rabbitohs game. It was all on. It was like state of origin intensity, that game. No love lost out there. They absolutely battered each other. Fantastic. So your highlight of the weekend, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. What was your highlight of the weekend? Keen to hear from you because there was so much sport on over the weekend and it is still going. Uh, Of course, we had the Chatham Cup final too yesterday at North Harbour Stadium and the Kate Shepherd Cup final had a couple of winners, and Auckland United taking out the uh, Kate Shepard Cup Final 1-0 over Northern Rovers, and Auckland City prevailing as well in a very tight final over Eastern Suburbs 1-0, but it means they have won three titles this season. The Oceania Champions League, the Chatham Cup, and the Northern Prem as well, with the National League still to come. Auckland City, very storied franchise, and very winning. It's Patea, who else is very winning? And that is Kendra Coxedge and the Canterbury uh, Farah Palmer Cup team. They absolutely destroyed the Auckland Storm in the final. And Kendra Coxedge went out on top in the red and black in her 100th game as well. What an absolute champion she is. Where does Kendra sit in the rugby goats for you? Not just in the women's game, but overall. I mean, she's given so much, sacrificed so much, been such a dominant figure in women's rugby. So give us a call, 0800 1508 11. That's where Cliff comes to us from out of Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. How you doing?
6: Yeah, good, Ricardo. Um, just talk about the cricket, sir.
3: Yeah, sure. What did you make of that I series? Want...
6: Well, we just we just didn't have the hammer to put down at any time. The, um, last night, I, I thought we saw with Bolt he started off... He, he was amazing. He was amazing in the series. Bowled... He, well, so well, so attacking, and he didn't give anything away. And then um, we just can't really keep the pressure on. Mitchell bowled two overs, and he bowled all right, two overs for Snevin, and then he took him off and he never bowled again. That meant that Nishan had to bowl eight, a whole eight overs, and I was always worried that he would have to come back for a second spell, and he got... He got tongued. He had no mid-on back, and he kept on driving him. I think he hit him three times for boundaries down to mid-on, and he had no one back there. And I thought, ah, oh, this is – what's what's the go here? But I think Big Brother just has got the wood on us at the moment. We, yeah. we just got to get – it's that top little top inch, isn't it?
3: It is. It is. I mean, where, where did you put that down to? Did you put that down to um, – Poor captaincy or poor bowling? What you were just talking about with with Nation.
6: Well, I I think he, I don't. A couple of times he pitched up a little bit, but he really needed that mid on back, and I I just can't fathom out why he he wasn't getting hit square. He was getting hit straight, and he, and he just needed that man back, and those boundaries would have only been singles, and and but. Williamson is a funny sort of captain One minute he looks like he's he's attacking And he's got the good The next minute he just sort of It's almost like he goes quiet on the field And and nothing happens And the, and the bowl is just It just drifts
3: Yeah, I tell you You brought up a good point too About Daryl Mitchell I mean Daryl Mitchell As far as I'm, uh, I'm concerned Is a uh, is an all-rounder um, And that those two overs That he bowled in that third game Are the first two overs He's bowled all series
6: yeah, I've never, I I have not actually seen him bowl before. Um, he just never sensed to bowl in any game, but he but he is in the team as a, a batsman who bowls, whereas Nisham's probably more of a bowler. But but a, a couple more overs would have taken the pressure off Nisham anyway.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we saw that in that second game. I thought Nisham did a really good job with the ball until about the last two overs that he had to bowl, and then he went for runs. So yeah, it, it might well, have it might have been better doing a, like a six four split something like that.
6: Yeah, but the golf I watched the golf yesterday. Uh, I watched Rory. He, Rory McIlroy's always been my player, and he played so well yesterday. I think he shot sixty four. Um, it was it was amazing. You know the shots he played from distance and how he can hold the ball hitting two hundred and. 30 metres in the air and then stop it within a, you know, basically a couple of metres from there. But this morning I see the, um, the, he finished second equal with John Rahm, who shot a, a big score too. I think he was nine under today. So he came, some of these guys come from behind. Yeah. The other guy, Brett, uh, Guy Reed, the uh, Yank guy, he was the same. He, he shot big score today, you know, to get get himself in the money.
3: Uh oh, is that Patrick
6: Reed? Uh, Patrick Reed, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so
6: it'd be a good look tonight. Have a, have a, have a. I just speed through it. I record it, and then just go through. Watch, watch how the the top guns are doing. Watch a few good shots. It's always good. Yeah, missed, I miss. I the football. On the weekend, my team, the Hammers. So yeah, hopefully, we'll that week's break will just freshen us up, and we'll be able to come out and. What Knock you... a few, Man United. Look, I, I'm amazed at Man United. I watched their first two games, and then they've changed probably three or four key individuals on that side, and suddenly they look like a, a contender again.
3: So They're looking not bad, mate. They're looking not bad. The problem is the depth outside of that starting eleven that... Um... Uh, Ten Hag wants to play. You saw he had to make a few changes for that Europa League game, and it didn't quite work. Didn't quite come off for him. I actually, Cliff, on that, you know, I mean, I know the Queen passed away and stuff, and they suspended cricket for a day, and that, but it felt like the wrong move, suspending um, the whole round of football, particularly in a World Cup year, because apparently that wasn't even a government call. The government told them they could do what they like, and the, and the, and the FA decided what? to postpone everything, which is, I, I think, it's going to cause havoc down the line.
6: Wouldn't it have been great if all the teams had sung "God Save the Queen" and and then three cheers for the king before and after the game or something?
3: Yeah, well, they could have done. They could have done that, you know. They, uh, I think, yeah, um, I, you know, what better way to get in a game that can be so divisive amongst fans? What a better way to get everybody together?
6: Yeah, it was it was an opportunity. I wouldn't have knocked them out so quick because you know some of those games are starting pretty much. The next day, so
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah, mate. Now
6: would have, I would have, I would have played them, but hopefully it'll be good games this week but yeah. yeah have a good day Ricardo.
3: Yeah you too Cliff thanks for your call 0800 150 is the number. You can also text us on the temper bedpost text machine 8833 temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, highlight of the weekend for Dan was without doubt the NRL playoffs brutal the cricket has become a yawn apart from Trent and uh, Ricardo looks like the Black Caps need new voices in there with new ideas. Got damn good players but they are playing with no confidence especially in the batting That from Richard. Thanks for your text, Richard. Keep them coming through. Brenton is on uh, the line out of Auckland. G'day Brenton how you doing?
2: Good man yourself?
3: Yeah good thanks mate. Good good. What did you want to um, cover?
2: Oh I'm about the mighty Panthers getting the job done mate.
3: The mighty, mum, mate. They they, they they did, didn't they? Against that, uh, I mean, I'm an Eels fan, mate, and I've you know Eels beat the Panthers twice this year. I was pretty confident they'd do it again, but once they lost yeah. Moses early, it was uh, it was all uphill. Yeah, it was a
2: good game, up for
3: then, eh? and then kind of when it was Yeah, it did Yeah, i would yeah, be. Uh, I hope I, I hope know, he I comes back all right for the uh, for the game against the Raiders this weekend. Yeah, it'll
2: be a big loss if he he's out. I might have to... Changed my tip on that one.
3: What did you uh, what did you make of the Rabbit's roosters yesterday, mate? How brutal was that?
2: Oh, I actually didn't enjoy it too much, mate. It was too many, um, it, was, it was a good physical game, but like it's just too many stoppages in the end. It's like everyone's been sent off for no reason. It's like sometimes a guy hit the ball and it bounced up, hit him in the head, and they go, Oh, okay, he's good in the wind. It's
3: a bit like rugby, you know? isn't it? All the stoppages.
2: <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah.
3: It's the longest game I think they've ever had on uh, without going into time. Yeah, yeah no, I think you're right. To, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm interested to see what yeah. Vossi reckons when we get Vossi on at uh, 11 o'clock, mate. So make sure you tune in that for, uh, for that, Brenton. Hey, thanks for your call, mate. Yeah, mate. Yep, yep, yep.
2: Have a good
3: day. Eh? Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers, uh, Brenton there out of Auckland. You can get a hold of us. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 or Texas double eight It is 20 past nine here on Mornings with Ian
0: Smith. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. James O'Neill, he's bowling! Smithy's cricket update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Our White Ferns are en route
3: to the West Indies. Before they left, Molly Penfold, the uh, fast bowler, was talking about working with the new coach, Ben Sawyer as he's a former fast bowler and her return to the game.
4: Yeah, it's been great. The couple of camps that I got to, to get a few tips and tricks from him, which was nice. Um they went really well and I think it's just very yeah it's very handy that he's a pace bowling coach as well. So yeah, I've trying to pick up, ask as many questions as I can and um, yeah just develop my game as a pace bowler really.
7: And personal objectives for you on the team?
4: Yeah, I try, try and get as much game time as I can, if possible. Um, but it's just there, like, take the opportunity as it comes. Um, there's a lot to learn from it, um, training-wise and playing-wise, hopefully. So, um, yeah, it's just, again, asking a lot of questions and just ask. If, I know there's a lot of support from the girls around me as well. So, um, yeah, it's always great to have the girls back me.
3: Also, Lauren Down, she's making her comeback after taking some time away, and she reflected on making that comeback against the West Indies.
4: To be honest I'm just looking forward to getting back out there and, and playing some cricket for New Zealand and enjoying being back out there with the girls and you know hopefully the results will come and we can enjoy a few wins. Yeah it's my first time touring the West Indies so looking forward to it and trying to I guess learn how to play over there and, and what the conditions are like and as you say for the younger girls what an awesome opportunity to tour somewhere we don't very often and play against a good West Indies side in their home conditions. Yeah I think they'll be really strong um, at home you know when they tour in New Zealand they sometimes don't like the cold but that's certainly not going to be a problem over here in Antigua So they're going to be a strong side And they've got a lot of key players that we need to watch out for But hopefully if we do what we do best We'll come out with a good result
3: So that's the White Ferns on their way to the West Indies Also of course we had uh, Game 3 of the Chapel Hadley series Captain Kane Williamson Was talking post-match And he was asked if he felt like that was one That slipped away yesterday
7: Yeah I mean it would have been nice Having said that Um, In terms of the cricket we needed to uh, apply pressure for longer and basically throughout the series we weren't um, clinical enough in, in that and um, credit to Australia uh, they're, they're always a strong side and um, you know they have another a number of weapons throughout their attack which um, you know and they're all bowling beautifully so um, frustrating but you know for us there were glimpses but it is about taking it further and putting out more collective performances so what is
8: 12 months out from the uh, World Cup can you take much
2: out
7: of this um, going into that I mean you can learn as much as you can and um, and these are those sorts of opportunities although um, there's frustration and disappointment but um, a lot to take from it from um, you know a very very good side um, always there or thereabouts and world competitions uh, and you know some of these sorts of conditions um, we might be exposed to as well uh, in India so um, you know it's important we do address it um, do try and be better for it. In terms of the wicket, it was a different pitch to the first two games. How did you find that? What were the differences? Yeah, it, yeah, it was um, slightly better and and. Um, it's still, you know, it was if you got it in the right area, it was going to be tricky. And I thought um, the way Australia batted, um, Steve Smith, you know, to soak up that pressure. I think they were eighteen or nineteen after ten overs, and um, and really try and win moments and, and pounce in, in different periods of play to um, to maximise, you know, a competitive total. And, and they were able to do that to take the game deep and, and give yourself the opportunity to to try and um, you know basically go for boundaries because it was the risk in in chasing the boundaries on those sorts of surfaces is high so you do need to try and do, I believe, a a lot of that hard work which Steve did um, and really set the Australian side up to to get a very, very good total on that wicket.
3: There you go, that is Kane Williamson reflecting on the Chapel Hadley Game 3. Uh, that is some of these cricket update. thanks to Razine. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to catch up with Daniel McCarty, who was the lead commentator for SENZ on that Chapel Hadley series. Get his thoughts on the series and where New Zealand cricket goes from here. That is coming up for you after the latest in news and sport with Araha Hathaway, which is right now. It's Mornings with Ian Smith. No, Smithy, he's been in Australia calling the cricket for Sky, and the man that has been uh, here calling the cricket for SENZ joins us now. Uh, You might recognise this voice from the Saturday session as well. Uh, Daniel McCarty, good morning to you, sir.
8: Good dog. Another treat to hear you. How are you?
3: I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. Uh, disappointing Chapel-Hadley series, wasn't it? I mean, uh, what did we have the Aussies at 5 for 44 and 5 for 54 and just didn't put the foot on the throat?
8: I'm not sure if disappointing is the right word I would use. I'd probably go for something a little bit stronger. Like, there's no shame in losing a one-day series to Australia in Australia. But just the fact that New Zealand were well and truly in those games, if not in dominant positions throughout uh, all three. You, you look back to the first innings of uh, the first game when uh, New Zealand were 170-odd for the loss of three, 53 for six, then that followed over the last nine overs of the innings to take them to probably a slightly below par score rather than a winning total. They had Australia's top order all at sea uh, in that run chase, 150-run stand. Um, you know, I don't really need to labour the point of that second game. The batting performance just wasn't up to it. And and last evening, 49 without loss, and then just unfortunately for them, that sort of self-inflicted wound. There were there were too many soft dismissals. I can't remember too many, um, you know, great balls that uh, dismissed New Zealand batsmen last night, uh, and New Zealand has melted away under the pressure. And those those key key moments. You have to be, and I'll use what Grant Elliott described throughout the series, you need to be relentless in Australia. You need to be able to front up to that pressure. And unfortunately, New Zealanders have not overcome what I think is is quite clearly a, a mental hurdle playing in Australia. That's 10 one-day internationals and counting. It, that's just not good enough for a side that clearly has the talent.
3: It does have the talent, mate. I mean, we've, see, we've seen it. Our opponents in this series have won at three zip and they've sacked their captain because he's not scoring runs with the bat. The Australians are ruthless when it comes to that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. They're a winning team. They demand performances. We could do with a bit more of that back here, couldn't we? It feels like we've, while we're the nice guys of international cricket, when Brendan was at the helm, we did have a ruthless streak, but that feels like it's gone, and we've got all the cutting edge of a marshmallow at the moment.
8: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, What's it, 2009, February 2009, New Zealand last tasted success in Australia in any form of the game. Uh, 10-1 day internationals. And if you're good enough to get to 170-odd for three and have the Australians five down for, what was it, 44 and 55 in two games, you know, um, you've got to be ruthless. But you have, and I know it's really hard for us to say this, uh, Ricardo, but you have to admire Australians' ability to fight back. Mm. Um, When their back's against the wall, they, they always seemingly come up with something. We described it in commentary when they have their backs up against the wall. You've got to drive the Mack truck into them. They've got, you've got to drive them into the wall, don't you? So they can't get out. So um, hugely frustrating. Here's the summary of the series. New Zealand's top scorer in an individual innings was uh, Glenn Phillips with 47. New Zealand did not score over 50 uh, throughout that series. Australia had five scores over 50, including 200s. Uh, that, that's the difference, isn't it? So... Um, uh, credit to the Australians on, the, on that front. New Zealand's batting just not up to it. And you look over the streak of 10 losses to Australia and Australia, I was counting the numbers last night, uh, Ricardo. Uh, Australia's had 24 innings of 50 or more, including 400s. New Zealand's had seven in that time. So the efforts of Trent Bolt, um, he was my man of the series, 10 mm. wickets, an average of 10. He was extraordinary. Um, and, and just unfortunately, the, the top order just weren't able to, uh, to take them deep enough to win games of cricket.
3: What did you make of um, Kane Williamson's captaincy? Um, I thought, you know, particularly like the first game, it felt like they were bowling to a predetermined plan. OK, after this many, we take these guys off, we put these guys on. Um, it didn't take anything into account in terms of what the ball was doing or how the bowlers were going. It, it felt like captaincy by numbers in a way.
8: Yeah, I felt that was certainly the case in the first game. I look at the Trent Bolt spell, where he's only bowled five overs. He was unplayable. The right-handers were having an utterly torrid time. I felt like bowling maybe him six or seven there uh, was the key. I felt they just allowed the likes of Green and Kerry to get too many singles and get some momentum into the innings. I'll give them credit. They adjusted for game number two um, and actually were a little bit more ruthless with regards to going to these frontline bowlers, and that left them a little bit exposed towards the death. And Australia were good enough. Um, what seventy eight runs combined between numbers nine, ten, and eleven? Still, that's too many, isn't it? It's too many. So it, it made some adjustments there, uh, but but I felt um, yesterday it, it, it wasn't so much about the captaincy. Uh, Lubashane and Smith just had, just read those conditions so well. What were Australia twenty nine for two after mm-hmm. fifteen overs? Yep. Uh, the Australian fans were giving Kane Williamson a lot of grief for being blocker Williamson, but. Uh, but what, what the Australians did is, is they negotiated that tough period and then they're savage enough to kick on. Um, New Zealand, you look at that New Zealand scorecard, I don't think there's a more frustrating sight is there, uh, Ricardo, in cricket when you have scores of 35, 21, 27, 10, 18, 16, 47, 36, 30. There's just too many starts and not going on. We know, we know one day cricket is about... Um, you know, 80 runs. So, yeah, I, I don't think Williamson's captaincy was perfect. I, I'm more concerned about his batting and how much he's enjoying the game. He doesn't look like he's having a great old time. Uh, hopefully he can get back to scoring runs, because uh, he's a key part. So, yeah, you know, captaincy probably could have been sharper, but it still comes down to the individuals uh, with the bat, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think part of that too. I mean, like we saw with the Aussies with Aaron Finch, or you know, remind you of that again because uh, they were completely ruthless with that. But I do wonder how he's going with that elbow injury. I, I heard somebody talking about. Mm-hmm. The way he is playing, and that you know, pre-injury he would get his elbow really, really high so he could play the ball late, pretty much right under his eyes a lot of the time. But he's not able to do that now, so he's having to play further away from his body. That's giving him trouble, and that's also affecting his ability to make shots. Um, I don't know if you've got any take on that, or or how you saw him batting in this series.
8: You know, it's hard to get into his mind and his body And actually feel the impacts of it uh, He certainly doesn't appear that the free-flowing uh, Player and I-, I just thought he allowed the Australians Maybe to, to dictate terms a little bit Too much, I- I'm thinking of, of the top Score of 17 or 50-odd balls I think it was, Abbott hitting that hard length He, he never sort of used the crease Going forward, going back so I-, I think the elbow's going to be a persistent Problem for him uh, we-, we hope it doesn't sort of uh, truncate That career of his, but He's just—he's a a, a wonderful player, and he will get back to his best. But uh, um, he—he just looks just a little bit off the pace at the moment. But he certainly wasn't the the only uh, batsman who sort of struggled. Tom Latham's another one. They'll probably stick with him. I I think that's fair enough. He's a—he's a fine player of spin, and with a World Cup in India, I think he will be a key contributor. Uh, Devin—we know Devin Conway's got the talent. Finn Allen looked very, very optimistic, looked like quite a prospect, didn't he, last night? I know Australian colleagues were quite enamoured with his uh, sort of assertiveness um, and and striking ability. Uh, His innings was all too short, just 35 off 38. I I think a bigger question is where does does Martin Guptill fit in all of this? Was this, Mm. Was this a chance to give Finn Allen just a go with the idea maybe Conway could bat in the middle order? Um, or, or is Gupdal now sort of fighting for his place. That, these are some sort of questions I've been left with at the end of the series. Yeah, that, that I'm not sure I know the answer.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've brought up Kane's captaincy. So we've talked about his, his elbow injury, and I don't mean to keep harping on it about this, but in this form of the game, I know we have a World Cup coming up, but with everything, he, all the commitments he has with IPL etc., and being the Test captain. You know, is it something that Ted should be having a talk to him about and saying, mate, you know, why don't you step away from this? We can give you a break here. We can we can uh, blood a new captain, in, whether it be Tom Latham or whoever. We've got these players coming through, and uh, and, and it gives him some time away from the game and, and clears up his schedule a wee bit.
8: Yeah, well, he's missed a lot of games due to injury, which um, has allowed the the opportunity for the likes of Saudi to captain in T20, Latham in the one-day uh, environment. But it is a big burden, isn't it, uh, Ricardo? And I, I've been talking about this for four or five years. Can you ask one man to, to carry the load of all three? Australia has split their captaincy for a long time, he, Uh They've split their coaching setups at times throughout. So you've got a lot of power uh, sitting at the lap of two people, uh, the captain and the coach. The selectors, Gavin Larson, helped them select the side, into in tour, those two um, have such an important role, don't they, in conjuring their sides. Um, I don't think there's selections, less so in this series, but I look at the Test Series in England, some of those selections, you know, Michael Bracewell being cast as a frontline spinner still has me scratching my head. So yeah, I think it's certainly worth considering, um, you know, easing that burden on, on a guy who is still, you know, I know he's in his 30s, but he's still relatively young and surely the priority is to see Cade Williamson uh, scoring as many majestic runs as possible because he is truly a world-class player and we haven't, haven't always been able to breed such players.
3: Uh, here's a question for you, Daniel. What is Daryl Mitchell? I, assume, I thought he was an all rounder, but he's only bowled two overs in this entire series. Why do you think Kane's been reluctant to bowl him, or is is, is that something else?
8: Yeah, I, I was a little bit baffled too, mainly due to the conditions, especially in that, that second game. Uh, maybe also at times during the first game, I, I thought they would give him a go. Uh, it was such a slow track. He's the slower of, of the uh, the seam options, you know, low 120s, mid-120s. Jimmy Nisham was, was far more preferred. Uh, Nisham, they, they had to go back too late. They had to go back to, you know, one of uh, Nisham and uh, or Mitchell for that death over as they again tried to get their front-line bowlers out of the way early. And, uh, you know, Nisham had a bit of a rough day but, and I think the Australians really targeted him as they got adjusted. So, um, Daryl Mitchell... I think they've got to have a little bit more faith in throwing him the ball. Um, and if you can do that, and if he can make a, a decent first of it, uh, Ricardo, that does allow you a little bit more flexibility um, with regard to maybe dropping Devin Conway down and playing Allen and mm. Uh I, I do like specialists in one-day cricket. I, I think Australia fell into a better balanced side due to the, uh, the body cramps of Cameron Green. Abbott coming in as a frontline third seamer, I just think made them a far tougher proposition with Paul. He was incredible, wasn't he? He bowled seven maidens in about 14 overs in that series. Uh, I don't know where that came from, and New Zealand just weren't able to, to get to him. So, uh, yeah, the, always the balance of a one-day side um, uh, is such a tough one for teams, that, and maybe New Zealand need to consider theirs.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I, I talked about it last week, I don't know if you caught it, but we were talking about how it's a, it almost seems a mentality thing. You know, 2009, so it's not just this group of players, not just this coach. Um, I suggested maybe Gilbert and Oka needs a, a phone call. It's a mentality mm. thing. I mean, how do we get over that? It's, it's, it's much like teams coming to Eden Park to play the All Blacks.
8: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's fair. And I don't think you want to... Overact and throw the baby out with the bathwater, Ricardo. You know, prior to this series, New Zealand had won 15 of 17 One Day Internationals. Yes, against lesser opposition, but uh, they've swept aside a lot of sides. Um, you know, even you know, we, we've seen what they did at the 2019 World Cup or the 2015. They have been an excellent One Day International side. But I'm sorry, I, and I'm sure this is echoed by New Ze- A lot of New Zealand fans. It's growing tiresome and cumbersome that. New Zealand go to Australia, don't play to their best, and we have to listen to Australian fans sort of look down their noses at us. When we know the truth, that the talent's there, it has to be upstairs. Um, it, is, it is a cruel place to play cricket. It's not easy. I'm not trying to, you know, diminish how, how difficult it is to play over there, but, but it, it does seem quite obvious to me that New Zealand have a bit of a mental block. And... Heck, their first game at the T20 World Cup in Australia is against Australia.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see see what happens when we get there, mate. We'll see what happens when we get there. Um, (laughs) It's it's all to do for Gary Stead and Cohen. Yeah, some of the selections were interesting too. I mean, I know that third Zimbabwe game was probably after they'd already announced the squad. But when you see a leg spinner... Um, you know, take five for ten and three overs against the Aussies, and we know that Australia have struggled against leg spin previously. Why do we have three offies in the squad? And if Sodi left sitting at home, do you reckon?
8: Well, Sodi's a specialist spinner. Um, doesn't add much with the bat. Not the best in the field. I think Santner. As far as if you go him head to head, Santner's average is exactly the same, with a far better economy rate, better with the bat better in the field. So I understand why Santner gets the nod. And the other two are sort of what I describe Bob each way cricketers. Um, hitters, uh, although I thought Phillips looked good, bar the run out. What a calamitous run out of the captain that was. Uh, I wonder if he made any eye contact with the skipper when he got back in the shed. But, but that's to my point about specialists. Um, you know, if conditions suit, which they will in India... Uh, I think Assoti's, um certainly in the mix, uh, you know, for the biggest tournament on the rise in, in, in around about a year's time. Uh, the question begs, though: Who will be opening the bowling for New Zealand? Is Trent Bolt going to be there? Have we seen the last of Trent Bolt in One Day International cricket? We know there's no certainty, and boy, if if that was a swan song, it was just uh, brilliant. What an amazing bowler he is! His One Day record is sparkling, averaging in the mid twenties, economy under five. Gee, he leaves a frighteningly big hole. If that is indeed it for Trent Bolt, one um, New Zealand won't be able to replace like for like, but uh, they'll need to find a way. Um, where would New Zealand have been without Trent Bolt in this series? That's a great Miles question. Miles off.
3: Great question. Yeah, he was he was superb, head and shoulders. May I tell you, the Phillips run out of Kane did remind me of both of running out boycott, and at the, at the time I was like, thank God he's out. Well done, Glenn Phillips. That was my initial reaction.
8: <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, Kane, Kane Williamson led New Zealand's run scorers throughout the series, but, you know, strike rate was under 50. Mm. He doesn't need me to tell him how to bat, and those numbers aren't good enough, but, yeah, he's out of sorts at the moment. Uh, and, uh, you know, against such a disciplined Australian bowling attack, um, we, just did, uh, we just didn't have the answers. But, you know, I look back at that series, Ricardo. It's not like New Zealand has been, you know, the top order's been knocked over in all three games. Guys have got in. You've just got to be relentless. Don't give these suckers a chance because, you know, they're, they're too good to turn it down. And now we have to listen to the Australians crowing, what, for another six years? When do we play the next Chapel Hadley? 2029?
3: Wow. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You it'll... talk
8: about an opportunity missed because th- this series, just uh, it's just hard to imagine it getting back into the international calendar with any regularity, which is a disappointment from my perspective. But the Australian cricket fans and their fan base are probably thinking, eh? Ah, we beat them every time over there. They, they constantly forget, though, that they struggle on our shores.
3: That is true. That is true. Daniel, hey, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, good to chat and uh, nice work on that uh, series here on SENZ. Mate, enjoyed your work.
8: Thanks, Ricardo, and take it easy, everyone.
3: Yeah, we'll do, we'll do. Uh, only way we know how. Uh, Daniel McCarty there on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. It's 12 away from 10.
0: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Mornings with Ian Smith, all right. It's 7 away from 10 o'clock. Just uh, letting you know that Will Power has taken out the final race of the IndyCar season and won the IndyCar Championship as well. We'll talk more about that with Dave Allen at around 10.30. And in the US Open men's final, it's one set apiece going into the third. We'll be back with a TAB update for you next
0: all Winter. He's the voice of sport in our This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ACNZ. You got to
9: know when to hold 'em, know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
4: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Yeah, you can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Here is your multi for today. Uh, this one I like. is starting with the Dallas Cowboys up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, now, Tom Brady has got no Gronkowski, no Antonio Brown this season. He's had hardly any preseason. And last season, when these two teams met, it was a shootout. Uh, and it was only a two-point decision, 31 29 of the Bucks. I think Dallas, in Dallas, get up here. They are the outsiders. They're paying $2.13, so get on the Cowboys. Also tomorrow in the football, Roma. Jose Mourinho's Roma play Empoli. Uh, Jose Mourinho's team paying $1.72. Far too much talent to lose to an Empoli side who have yet to win this season so get on them and then in La Liga Almeria versus Osasuna Osasuna the favourites here but it's going to be a tight game so I've gone the double chance Osasuna and the draw at $1.36 you can put all of those together and it returns $4.98 jump on and get amongst there you go, coming up in the next hour we are going to talk Indy cars Indy lights and we're going to panel coming up real soon too with Sam Hewitt and Mark Watson
0: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It has
3: just gone three past ten and we're doing the panel slightly earlier today because of IndyCar Monterey. Uh, that has finished now and uh, it means that willpower is the IndyCar champ for this year. We're going to talk to Dave Turner about that. He's got some news around Indy Lights for us as well. But joining us on the panel. Today is Sam Hewitt, fresh back from holiday, mate. How was your How was your time oh, off?
1: Good, mate. Yeah, recharged the batteries, as they say. Um, plenty of sport to sink my teeth into over the weekend as well. So it was a, it was a, the right time to come back. Yeah, I
3: know you're, you're proudly wearing your Red Sox t-shirt today. Obviously, um, NFL started. I don't know you're a Boston man. Pets yep. uh, got touched up by the Dolphins. Oh, you know it just takes us a
1: few weeks to get going. Um, <laughs> you know we're building. Uh, what well, a few more cliches I can throw out yeah uh, <laughs> Nah, look, we um, it's interesting with the pets, right? Because obviously the breakup of, of Brady and Belichick, which, which was well documented, and everyone thought, you know, Bill Belichick made Brady. The system made Brady, when clearly that wasn't the case, because he goes to the Buccaneers, he wins the Super Bowl, and the Patriots turn to poo. I just think it's... It may be a little bit of an all-black situation. maybe it's time for the pets to move on. You maybe it's time to clear the clear the house a little bit. Bill's been around for a long time. Great coach, of course, but you know the league's moved on. The players are different now. They're you know the quarterbacks are faster and they run and they're flashy. You know it's not just about sitting in the pocket and passing like Peyton Manning and, and Tom used to do for years and years. So. Yeah, look, it's uh, it was a depressing start, mm. and uh, I'm not hopeful to be honest for the rest of the season. But
3: how do you, as somebody who's a Pats fan, feel about Tom Brady? When you watch the Bucks play, do you want them oh, to win?
1: I, no, I do. I love them. I yeah. absolutely love them. Okay. In fact, I it's hard to know whether I'm a Pats fan or a Brady fan because the two were so intertwined. And I lived in Boston, that's why I'm a big Boston fan. But um, I'm a massive Tommy touchdowns TB12 um, T Bone, whatever you want to call them. Mm. I'm a massive fan, so I go for the Bucks when they're. When the pets aren't playing, yeah, for sure. Nice, nice. All right,
3: mate. Hey, I I know um, uh, we didn't have NFL down on our. uh, Hey, this is what we're talking about today, but we (laughs) did. uh, We did have NRL first week of the finals, mate. Uh, I don't know if it's just me because I'm an Eels fan, but boy, it's nice to see the Storm and the and the Roosters depart round
1: one. Tend to agree with you, Ricardo. Um, I look what a what a weekend like that was. Probably one of the best first weekend of finals I've seen um, in a long time. Just all the games across the board were just fantastic. Um, Yeah, look, someone asked me, they said, Who do you want to win? And I said, You know, I'm very happy that the Storm and the Roosters aren't there. Couldn't couldn't stand the Bunnies winning again. And um, I'm not really a big um, Sharks slash Cowboys fan. So I wouldn't mind the Raiders getting up. And, you know, given that they finished in eighth spot, it would be quite a story for them to go all the way. Um, They're riding that momentum. You know, beating the Storm's no easy feat. I know the Storm have struggled this season, but that was a good Storm team, basically full strength, minus Papenhausen. So um, I think I'd like the Raiders. I don't know if they can do it, but I'd, I wouldn't mind them doing it. You St- know? Sticky's got it over um Balliaka. He does, that's, actually. That's this five in a row actually, now. Yeah, no, he, there's something about it, isn't there? Um, so they're, uh, who are they taking on then? Are they Eels, or are they taking yeah, on the Eels? The, they play the Eels. That'll be a good game. Yeah, That'll people, be a
3: great game. I hope Mitchell Moses is fit. Because well,
1: that, that's funny, because people saying, and I, I despise people not despise people but I, I don't like when people rub it in that oh you know I knew the Panthers were going to weave and was on the Eels and I knew they were going to beat them well that was a big loss losing Mitchell Moses and yep. you know the game could have been different if that wasn't the case you know maybe the Eels would have tipped them up So, and I don't think you can predict injuries so um, I was sort of not gutted because I also don't want the Eels I know you're a big Eels fan hmm. Ricardo but I'm one of those um very annoying Warriors fans that don't want the Eels to win before us, right? So yeah, yeah. anyone but the Eels, well, probably.
3: We, we had a lot of hope going into the weekend because um, <laughs> I don't know if you heard have you, you heard the legend of the Eel Whisperer.
1: No, but p-
3: please tell. Well, up until this weekend, Andrew Voss had called the Eels ten oh, times yes. this season, yeah, and he, they'd won every time.
1: Uh, did he call them on? Yeah, Fr- and he called,
3: he called them on Friday. Well, so you asked uh, him about that after eleven o'clock. Oh, don't you worry, we will be. <laughs> uh, an explanation from the big guy. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, and. The the other the other stat is that the last time the Eels won the grand final, 1986, yep. number one movie at the box office.
1: Oh, here we go. Wait, can I predict it? Yep. So it's obviously a remake this yep. year. Top Gun. Yeah, correct. There Get you go. In. There you Get go. So wow. It's written in the stars. That's a great stat, Ricardo. That's it's written in the stars, stat. mate, to be go fair. Go on there. Um, well, uh, do you think they're going to do it, though? Or do you think they can, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bounce back against camera, but then they're going to have to play, they're not going to play the Panthers or the grand final, right? Yeah. The, the way that draw works. So can they do it, do you think? <laughs> I think they can. I mean, I don't think they can win four in a row, but now they don't need to. True. They can
3: just win three in a row. Yeah, that's you know? fair. Yeah. Um, and, but they'll need Mitchell Moses. They'll, they definitely need Mitchell Moses, yeah. yeah. Um, that Roosters-Rabbits uh, game last night. Yep. Mate, seven sin binnings. Yeah. Um, it, was like, it was origin intensity, wasn't it? Really it really
1: was. And, and I got caught in a bit of a debate um, with someone last night as to whether or not that was like good to watch, given you know there's so many sin mids and stoppages. I look at it two ways. First of all, I think the players were fully responsible last night. Like, they were all going high. They were all out to basically kill each other. Um, the intensity was, was massive. Um, and, and so I think, in that regard, there deserved to be some semblance. However, I do think that Ashley Klein. He lost control early. As soon as you go down that road, and he did go down that down that road early, you have to keep going, and yeah. that's basically what the players are crying out for, right? Like the next high tackle was, oh, you got to send him off. He goes, and he had to send him off. And and then sure. the next one comes. Well, that's another one. So then it just got out of control. Um, but I still enjoyed watching it. Thought it was great theater. Um, Two, you know, very well matched sides. Um, I mean, Latrell Mitchell is just a big time player I mean he's got to be he's up there with Cam Munster for me as one of the biggest clutch players in the NRL Um, and yeah just a packed out um, what's it called Allianz and um, yeah just the the noise of the crowd it was like a like a state of O or or a grand final almost so yeah Bunnies, bunnies, bunnies. No, they're, they're a smoky mate. Well, yeah, I know, they're not really a smoky, but they finished seventh, so they, in a way, they are a smoky. But me and Kempe have been saying it for the last like two months. You know, riding momentum, they got Latrell back. Um, he he opted out of Origin, um, knowing that he was a big asset to his side, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they make and, You know, the old saying, you got to lose one to win one. Maybe last year, you know, was what they needed, just like Penrith the year before. And they'll go through and, and win one this year. Especially so. how
3: bad bad winners Penrith were last season. Can you imagine if it ends up rabbits Panthers again and the Rabbits win?
1: Yes, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, I'm not so anti-Panthers like a lot of people are. I really like the way they play. I enjoy their plays. There's some that really tick me off, and I think they're very very arrogant. But I think it's more their fans. Like on social media and stuff, their fans are – they're almost like Liverpool fans, aren't they? Mm. Like, oh, we've had it for bad for so many years, no, but here sure. we are. Here we are. And um, – It's a little bit unbearable sometimes. So, look, I'll go Raiders, anyone but the Eels. Anyone but the Eels for (laughs) Sam.
3: Okay. uh, Now, uh, we've been having a few issues with our phones, but we have managed to get Mark Watson on WhatsApp. Uh, G'day,
1: Watto. Welcome to the panel. Uh,
10: Did I just hear Sam Hewitt bagging Liverpool?
1: (laughs) Yes, you (laughs) did. Nothing of the sort, Mark. (laughs) Nothing of the sort.
10: I was bagging the fans. I was bagging the fans, mate. So are you still a, are you still a Boston fan now that they're losing everything?
1: <laughs> Got my Red Sox shirt on today, Mark. Always loyal.
10: Oh, there you go, there you go.
1: Yeah. And they they own Liverpool. Funny enough. Yeah,
10: I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway,
3: anyway, oh. anyway. Yeah, you know, there's man, there's so many teams that own Liverpool. Napoli. For one, you know, <laughs> oh, but, dear. Uh, but we'll oh, leave, dear, we'll leave that there. Uh, Watto, now, well, uh,
10: mate, I've been trying, I've been try- I've been trying to watch Manchester United, mate, but I've just given up my subscription to the History Channel. So I can't
3: <laughs> <laughs> nice call, Watto. Nice call, mate. Oh, shots, fired. shots fired, shots fired. Uh, the NRL weekend, mate, the finals weekend. We were just talking about it. What was your standout? Did you uh, did you manage to catch most of it?
10: Yeah, look, I, I, I watched bits and pieces of it over the weekend. Um, I, it, it was a bit of a weekend of upsets, which is what I love about the NRL. What I love the closeness of this particular competition. Um, yeah, look, I, I would love to. I would sort of love to see a team like the Sharks or something sort of go the whole way. You know, um, just sort of more of those traditional clubs. A little disappointed for the Eels on Friday night, um, but yeah. Um, Look, but it's always, it, it, as we say, it's never one in the months of sort of March, April, May, is it? It's always one in the month of sort of August, September. And yeah, a lot of niggle, a lot of niggle. That seems to be the sort of the more talking points. Jared Wawira Hargraves, uh, a little bit nasty there. And um, yeah, uh, you know. Um, but, but but that's the stakes, isn't it? It's a gladiatorial game, but you know at the same time they're trying to encourage numbers, trying to get people, you know, youngsters to play the game, and more and more people switching off because of the concussion and because some of the cheap shots that are going in. So look, but I, I think what I like about it, and what and similar to what I, I think we see with the, what I sort of see with the um, uh, with the English Premier League is there are just so many narratives that come out of this, and therefore yeah. there is so much to talk about, which gets you looking forward to the game you know the individual battles the coaches uh the fans the rivalry some of the off-field antics and then of course when you get to this time you really you are just celebrating the quality of rugby league in the middle of the park
1: hey what what the game yesterday with um, when there was seven yellow cards i found myself actually still enjoying the game a lot which is complete opposite of when i watch rugby nowadays what why was it? Why does it feel different when there's a yellow card in rugby league versus a yellow card in rugby? Like in rugby, it seems to ruin a game, but in the NRL, it's almost you know it's almost cheered on. It shows the intensity of the game. What do you think the difference is between the two?
10: Yeah, look, I I think they're two very different games too. I think that rugby that rugby league tends to be a little bit more um, simplistic in terms of its structure and stuff, and so I don't think you get caught out as much in rugby league by being a player down where I think in Rugby Union, um, just with the nature of the forward play, it's not a stop-start and um, the way the game is set up. That you, you you know it can spoil a game very quickly, but I was just think in rugby that the yellow cards and the red cards are often just for stuff that's ridiculous. I don't think there's often any real genuine intent in it. Where mm. I think in rugby league to pick up a yellow card, mate, there's genuine intent and there's genuine. And there was yesterday. Um, there was yesterday for sure. Yeah. I tell you yeah. who the luckiest <laughs> bloke
3: on the field was was Matt Lodge when Mark Nichols slipped because Mark Nichols slipped and went under Lodge and Lodge was head hunting and it was yeah. a swinging head arm and he actually missed because of Nichols' slip. If that had connected, it was going to be, it wasn't going to be a bin, it was going to be a
1: year off for the game. Yeah and um, it was um, Tane Milne's one as well where he literally, like he launched upwards into his head, you know, so that it had the guy, you know, just been an inch lower and he caught him flush, you would have thought a red card but they were, I mean, that's the thing, they were out to hurt each other yesterday, like no doubt about it, those teams were out to uh, hurt and, each other.
10: Yeah and we can put all the, you know, all this political correctness and stuff to one side but look State of Origin was built on the Biff we all love a little bit of argy-bargy. We all love a little bit of a nigger. You've only got to look at the history of television and the great sporting events. They're all boxing. They're all mixed martial arts. Um, you know, you go to a, you go to any rugby game, and as rational as you think you are and as polite and prim or as proper as you think you are, the moment someone starts throwing punches, the entire crowd gets to their feet, academics, the whole bloody lot. And, and I said it before, you know, man's defeats are always on the front pages of the newspapers. Man's victories are on the back. We as... If we like the niggle, we like the negative, we like to see the argy bargy. And it's about trying to find that balance, you know. And I think some sports do themselves a disservice. You've got to understand these guys are fired up, mate. They're gladiators. Mm. This is modern form of sort of controlled warfare, I guess. And for somehow to just expect this to be just sort of cuddles and a lot of love, it's just it's just ridiculous. And you've only got to look at the, the personality of the players, and sometimes just the background some of these players come from and so um yeah look I, i'm for it I, I never want it sort of you know maybe to the extent that we saw yesterday but yeah let's have that you know that's i think is part of the problem here in new zealand we don't have that tribalism we don't have that angst we shut everything down there's no emotion in the game anymore and sport is emotional and i think it's escapism for us we like to go along to a stadium we don't want to be involved in the punch-up Or we like to maybe get that little bit of release in a controlled environment we you know, let's not kid ourselves, We all like a love, a, a, a love, a good scrap and a good brawl. And yeah, oh, I get a little bit tired of the sort of the whole identity politics and this political environment we live in where, you, you know, we're trying to appease a small margin of people who, let's be honest, aren't watching the damn thing anyway.
1: Ricardo, Ra- Ra- do you think, um, like, I'm a big ice hockey fan. I don't know Watto is when his Maple Leafs make the first round, and then he's not when they lose in game seven, inevitably. But um, in ice hockey, you know, they let them fight because mm. it gets rid of the niggle. Like, they get it out of their system, right? You hate each other, you don't like each other, you get a, a, get a little fisticuff out of the way, and away you go. And I felt like league used to be like that when they allowed, you know, a little bit of a brawl. It's sort of get, get rid of the anger, and away you go. See, yesterday, what you saw was people that wanted. To, to scrap but had to do it, you know, within the field of play which led to big high shots and, you know, these sort of almost illegal tackles. I just wonder if, you know, ice hockey does – I know people are very uh, – they frown upon it a lot, the fighting in ice hockey, but there is actually reasons why they do it. Yeah. And it's to avoid these serious injuries that come from too much niggle, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, 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 you know, the other thing that came out of this, uh,
3: as soon as you made it 10 to the bin, if you uh, if you throw a punch – then all the shithousery restarted. All the sniping. Yeah. All the people like Dylan Walker who was yep. it was it was a, it was a yep. king of it, and it was just wind up merchants, wind up merchants because they knew mm. that if you punched them in the face, you were going to them totally. Baton. And yep. uh, that, nothing mm. more frustrating as a fan than watching that.
2: Yeah,
10: but I thought look, I think you know we've got it wrong here, isn't it? I mean, you've, look, there's a difference between the cheap shots, you know, the Jared, well, ha, ha, sorry, Jared, while we were Hargraves, sort of head slam and stuff, where I think. You know, there is you start to generally get concerned for the mm. for the opponent, and that stuff just cannot happen, man. Particularly with you know in and around concussion and some of the studies that have been done now. But I've never really seen anybody get seriously hurt in a major major punch up and in rugby league and you mentioned the ice hockey or you know they just call it hockey over there and part of the reason they do it is as sam touched on in the european leagues they don't allow the fighting but there is a lot more injury there's a lot more sticks across the face there's a lot more um, nasty stuff that goes on, a lot more player injury. And what they've actually said in the NRA, NRA, uh sorry, in in, in the N H L is, let's have our enforcers. We will protect our marquee players. And those guys come onto the ice, they will rock your world. And so you don't seem, to, you don't get that, you know, the cheap checks across the face with the sticks, and you know, a lot of that off the off the puck stuff doesn't go on to the same degree as you see in the European League. So yes, it might not be you might not see the niggle and the punch-ups might not be um, as visually obvious, but there's a lot more um, skullduggery actually going on in those leagues outside of the NHL. And I, I think you can actually learn a little bit from the NHL. Yeah,
3: no, fair point. Hey, general, we should talk a couple of other things too. Uh, tell you what, if there was a bit more of a gladi- gladiatorial spirit in the Black Caps Tim, we might have actually beaten Australia in the Chapel Hadley. <laughs> um, had them down five for 44 in the first one, five for 54 in the second one. Lost both because we have that inability, Sam, it seems, in Australia to put the foot on the throat.
1: Yeah, I mean, Australia definitely have the, the wood over us. There's no doubt about it. Um, whether it's Test cricket, ODIs, T20s, we just seem to, to bowl it against them. I'm trying to work out, Ricardo, and i am um, be interested to hear what Wado thinks about this. I'm trying to work out what sort of team the Black Caps are because a lot of people say we choke under pressure, but I think. I almost think we're a tournament team. We're a team that, in a tournament environment, we can actually do quite well. We can pick up a couple of cheeky wins in one-off games, you know, semi-finals, finals. You know, we beat India in the World Test Championship in a one-off test. The sort of tournament mentality is, is where I think the Black Caps do well. But outside of that... We're actually just not that good. I mean, people, I think, have unrealistic expectations of black caps. Maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not fair. But you know, we beat Sri Lanka, we beat Bangladesh, we beat the West Indies. But we realistically aren't as good as Australia, and people just almost need to accept that we're just not that good.
3: Yeah, well, no, and the thing no, is I, that Australia aren't as good as Australia used to be, but for some reason we think they are in our heads water.
10: Yeah, look, I, I, look, we've got to start expecting more from this New Zealand cricket team. Um, because for so long we haven't had a legacy, we haven't had a history. Our expectations have never been particularly great, but we should be having, you know, the discussions over Kane Williamson, over the coaching staff of this Black Caps at the moment, like we've having with the All Blacks. You know, I think I think it's a big sport here. Um, we've proven with a small population that we can be really dominant in other sports. We've had, we've, had, you know, we've had a really good Test period in recent, you know, up until probably last summer, where I think we have played really well both here and overseas, when it comes to Australia, we just have a big, big mental block. And it's disappointing because, you know, we've seen it, you know, the issue that's going to face New Zealand cricket is the issue that's sort of been discussed with the likes now of Bolt looking to, you know, finish his career and get out early and start sort of being a bit of a hired gun and making a fortune overseas, and he's entitled to do that. And you're going to see a group of young players thinking, hey, look, I've played 30 or 40 tests for New Zealand now. I've played 100 ODIs. Not really sure what the mystique is here. I'm not really sure what I'm playing for. Why don't I go and make myself a lot of money? Where really for the focus for New Zealand should be hey, we want to try and win test series in Australia. We want to try and beat the Aussies. We want to try and go to England and win. Now, Australia and England have got the benefit. They've got the ashes. But every time we go to Australia, we fold. And so the Australians just look at us and go, these guys are crap. We're not going to give them regular tests. We're not going to give them regular opportunities. And I think without Australia providing us the regular opportunities, I'm just not sure that a summer of Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, is going to be enough in the long term to keep our players here but also to keep this new zealand public on edge you know there's got to be jeopardy there's got to be some meaning to it t20 offers no meaning one day cricket's pretty much dead and buried now and what are we reduced to um test cricket really once every five six years against the australians and you know um, yeah, the landscape doesn't look particularly great, but we should be asking more. But Kane Williamson, I, I mean, you've got to question his captaincy. Oh, I just don't think he's a great captain. Um, I, I just don't think, I, I think he's there because he's the player and he's got the maturity, but there's nothing innovative about him. He doesn't have the vision of a Brendan McCullum. We're so damn defensive in the way we play it. Um, and I think that just sort of follows through. It's yeah, it's incredibly disappointing. You know, go out there. If, I hate to say, but let's play baseball. Let's at least under McCullum try some stuff. But the question is, if we get rid of Kane Williamson, who's your captain? And there's no one that stands up.
3: Well, I mean, I think the obvious one is Tom Latham. But then I think it's, you pretty much like for like. Um, I don't yeah. think there's too much difference between the two in terms of the way they approach the game, Sam.
1: No and there's I mean what is right there and maybe it's a a personality thing like we don't really have those personalities that we had six or seven years ago of guys like Bads, you know like the cricketers are and and I applaud them they're always very open to a chat they always you know come on our shows and and, you know they front the media etc but they're very vanilla, aren't they? Very vanilla. And I wonder if you know that also you on the field. You don't have guys that are a bit eccentric and are a bit, you know, will go for things and, and play a little bit differently because it seems to be what we're... We're just lacking spark, aren't we? What, Especially with the bat. What just, you said
3: there, vanilla, is that you have to fit into a certain um, sort of type of, of, mm. of pattern to be in the black caps long term. That's why yes. we've seen people like Jimmy Nisha not get his contract. Yep. Colin and Rose no longer there. You totally. Know, you, you, can, you can name a lot of those kind of players and maybe we are missing them now. Gentlemen, hey, thanks for very much for your time, thanks for being on the panel today uh, we left a couple of topics on the line but I think we got some good chatting so appreciate your time, go well. Thanks mate Thanks Waro. Cheers, bro Cheers, cheers Waro. It is uh, 24 past 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith <laughs> 27 away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him as Smithy is winging his way back from Australia after calling the Chapel Hadley series. Uh, this morning we had the last round of the IndyCar series. Need a lot to go right for Scott Dixon or Scott McLaughlin who uh, claim the overall championship None of those things happened. Will Power finished third in the race, won the championship by 16 points over Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon was a further 23 points back and Scott McLaughlin another 11 points back from uh, Scott Dixon. So wasn't to be though two Kiwis in the top five. To talk more about that is Dave Turner with us. G'day Dave, how you doing?
9: I'm good. How are you?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh, that course at Monterey, the track at Monterey, uh, it's a challenging course, isn't it? And it, it certainly doesn't get any easier when you have cars go off and bring sand onto the track with uh, back onto the track with them. It certainly uh, caused a bit of havoc out there the today.
9: Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting track. I've been there a couple of times. The elevation climb up to the, the famous corkscrew is a lot steeper than what television portrays it. Um, and the dust and stuff from you know, the outside edges of the circuit is significant at that track. But um, you know, resurfacing it maybe in the off-season will, will change some of those things because the wear rate on the asphalt is, is very high. But you're still going to always have that dust and stuff off the edges of the track. So it's always going to be a challenging place. But that's great. That's what it's all about.
3: Yeah, you do want the challenge. Um, how At the at the start of the race, after qualifying and everything, where were you on how things might go for Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin?
9: Um, in terms of we'll deal with McLaughlin first, I thought it, it was very long odds in many ways. It was the mathematical odds, and that's not saying anything negative against Scott McLaughlin, because I've got a lot of time for the guy, and I've known him for a long time, but His his task was that much harder, that's for sure. Dixon, um, yeah, he had a chance. He definitely had a chance. Uh, I just wasn't overly wrapped with the fact that he had qualified midfield because I was worried about the opening couple of laps of the race and getting involved in in traffic and stuff. And, you know, it's been a theme with the, the Ganassi car, particularly his one this year, is the more average performances in qualifying which has meant the race has become that much harder work. And we saw a great example of that probably today. He's lucked a few, but sometimes it hasn't worked out his way.
3: Yeah, he did get caught in traffic a lot today, didn't he? I mean, he, he, and he just kept getting further and further away from the lead. Uh, I'm not sure where he finished in the end, but last I looked, you know, he was sitting in about 11th and, uh, yeah, just too much traffic in front of him and about 50 seconds behind the lead car.
9: Yeah, he, fin- he ended up finishing 12th. The 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 thing is, it's it, it, you know again it shows you how tight this series is. You know when we, we say that he qualified, you know midfield, it's still you know only thousands of seconds. We're not talking you know minutes behind or some stupid number like that. So um, it's just a very competitive series. You had 27 cars there today. Um, the car count's very healthy, and it's the nature of the beast. And I you know I I feel that the driver that wins a championship in this series, and Scott's won six of them. Is um, a superb all round driver because of the types of tracks that they drive on. And you and me have talked about that before. But, um, you know, for Will Power this year, what he did is he played the consistency game. He only won one race, was Newgarden won multiple races this year. But Will was consistent across the entire season. And that's a, that's a very big thing as well.
3: What about. Um some of the other drivers we saw there. I mean, Joseph Newgarden was there or thereabouts. He probably had the best crack at at, at, at beating Will Power too, the championship title. But you know, there was a couple of times uh, mid, midway through the race where, uh, out of nowhere, he seemed to have found some speed and found some form. Was uh, Romain Grosjean was was getting in and amongst and and and, and causing problems for some of those uh, front runners.
9: Yeah, well, I think Andretti Autosport as a team um, had good good cars there. You know, Colton Hurd has won there the last two times in an Andretti Autosport car. They clean-sweeped the Indy Lights field uh, two days in a row, uh, all three Andretti entries on the podium for two days. Uh, so fantastic. So they, they know their way around Laguna, and I think that's probably Grosjean was showing that. I think that it's a team that will probably do a bit of soul-searching during the off-season as to how that shapes up for next year with the departure of Rossi and... Uh, Kyle Kirkwood coming into the team and and just things like that. They probably need a little bit of homework on them. But, you know, overall, I think Andretti have the measure of that place. And that's just the way it goes. It's a bit like, say, Ed Carpenter when it comes to qualifying at the Indy 500. You always know that Ed's going to come up with something because it just seems to all click there. And I think that's probably what we were seeing out of Grosjean today as well, is that the team you know, have a really good handle on that track.
3: Yeah, so Will Power takes it out. Uh, Scott McLaughlin finishes fifth in his second season. He just seems to be getting better and better. Do you think he's got what it takes to maybe next season, you know, sort of, instead of finishing fifth, be challenging for the title, um, you know, more realistically?
9: Oh, for sure. For sure. Because the reason I say that is, for a start, we're even having the conversation um that 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 in itself says something you know uh, the fact that he had multiple wins this year he took out pole positions and he ended up going into the season ender actually in the championship hunt so uh without an absolute doubt he he'll be a contender next year penske obviously are you know there's nothing that says they aren't their weakness this year for penske for all three drivers was the indy 500 they struggled in qualifying um, McLaughlin's team made a bit of an error by pushing them back out on that qualifying day to have another go and the temperatures had changed that day, the wind had changed and he ended up going slower and that put him back further in the field and I think they, you know, as a team they mucked that one up but they did it across all three cars. So um, the rest of the season for McLaughlin, yeah, a huge amount of ticks. He's, he's mastered those um, short ovals very, very well. Street courses he's got down pat, and he's, he's very comfortable in himself, and I think that that's a big attribute going forward, you know, so he's going to be around for a long time and he's definitely going to be a championship contender, there's absolutely no doubt about that.
3: Yeah, there's a great, uh, uh, you know, sort of group of young drivers coming through, Colton Herder, a Ward, of course, Marcus Erickson making his, uh, himself out there, Alex Palau as well, and of course Scotty McLaughlin, so the, the next uh, lot of drivers coming through are very, very strong. We're going to see some of them, uh, you know, the, I mean, they're all of the top 10 this year. How much longer do you yeah. think
9: Scott Dixon's got at this level? Um, I, I think probably at, at least another couple of years before we start having serious conversations about that. Because um, I think there's, there's more to this guy. You know, again, I, I've done some stats on, on Dixon. This is the 16th time in the last 17 years that Dixon has finished within the top four at the end of the season. And there's no other driver that can claim that. Absolutely no other driver. And this year, he finished every single lap of every race within the season. Um, again, you know, that's a great testament, not only to the team around him, but the driver in himself. And he also, again, this season, out of all his championship years and, and or all his years in IndyCar, took away at least one race win within a season. So the Dixon machine has still got plenty left in it, that's, that's for sure. You know, look at Indy this year, the fastest four lap qualifying ever in the history of the 500 as a four lap average, but, you know, then that mistake during the race. But there's, there's just so many things that make Dixon still a, a very strong legend of the sport And I think New Zealand at times doesn't necessarily recognise that because we get fixated by maybe the aspect of Formula 1. But, you know, what Dixon and McLaughlin are doing right now is more than equal to that, absolutely more than equal to it. Um, And they can hold their heads high. And we've got another layer of drivers behind that. You know, Hunter McIlroy finished fourth in the Indy Lights Championship this morning, took out Rookie of the Year honours or he has a contract with Andretti Autosport to come back to Indy Lights next year. So there's another driver that maybe in two years' time, you and me will be having a conversation about where he finished in the Indy 500 or something. Mm. And then you've got two in, in USF 2000. So there's, there's some great depth there, and that doesn't apply just to New Zealand. But you know, obviously we're very pro the Kiwi drivers, and there's a heap of them there.
3: Yeah, there are a heap of them there coming through. Um, and, uh, yeah, good to see Hunter McIlroy going well in the Indy lights. Uh, Dave, we should get a comment on you. I know you were there this weekend. Pukakoe, uh, how was it the final weekend? And how appropriate we saw a Kiwi in the Giz who, who learned the trade there standing on the podium on the last day uh, of supercars at Pukie.
9: Well, I think, you know, it's the end of an era. You know, we've had a couple of, enders, of eras at, at Pukakoe because I remember in 2007 I produced the last supercar event there and it was titled The End of an Era uh, because it went to the Hamilton Street Race after that and then of course it's come back to Pukekohe but this time the doors really close on Pukekohe and I think that that's a very sad thing great for the crowd yesterday, awesome performance. Andre Heimgartner I thought fantastic performance of the weekend not putting the giz down at all but Heimgartner after that accident he had recently just just absolutely phenomenal and I talked to McLaughlin and Dixon yesterday actually about their memories of um, Pukekohe and McLaughlin uh, his first ever supercar win came at Pukekohe and for Dixon apart from the very well documented cushion thing that he had in the, in the Nissan Sentra he said to me that uh, one of the his funniest memories of Pukekohe was when he was actually learning to get his racing license and everything and he had an instructor in the car and they were going through turn one at Pukekohe and there was uh, uh, some ducks walking across the track and he nearly rolled the car with the instructor. So he always remembered that as a bit of a funny moment that he was trying to get a licence and nearly flipped a car with an instructor on in it.
3: <laughs> that is fantastic news, Dave. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate, and keeping us up to date with all the latest in, in the Indy cars as well, and those memories from Pookie as well go well.
9: Yeah, well, thanks very much, Ricardo, for having us on. I think there's a lot to come in the off-season with driver movements, so there's some so- exciting times ahead, and, you know, the Kiwis are very, very much amongst uh, IndyCar. There is absolutely no doubt about that.
3: Yeah, we'll uh, talk to you more about that uh, as the, uh, the those stories start to progress. It is 17 away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith.
0: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on S E N Z.
3: Hey, welcome back into Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo, ball in for Smithy. It is 12 away from 11. And, uh, man, it's a ding-dong battle in the men's US Open final. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz versus Caspar Ruud. Alcaraz took the first set 6-4. Ruud the second set 6-2. And it is currently juice in the 12th game of the third set, advantage now Alcaraz at 6-5, it is a tight, tight final, this one, keep you up to date with it throughout the show, chances are it's going to go into staff show as well, after midday, these two guys battling it out hard, keep your text coming through, 8883, 8883 is the temper bedpost text machine, and we have had uh, text through, and there was something actually that came up in the panel which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Sam and Watto were with us talking about how uh, you know the Biff in rugby league uh, has been taken out uh, with the sin binnings for for punching automatically now, and that yesterday we saw more uh, head high shots because players couldn't fight. Put, there was no biff, uh, so it ends up that that frustration gets taken out in tackles within the game, and then you have the uh, the head injuries and, and concussions and things like that. And uh, I know what I was talking about, you know, saying... When that happens, when you you go to a game and there's there's a fight or there's some aggro that everybody gets up for it and everybody, no matter what they say, uh, regardless of how PC you are, enjoys it. And uh, I think he's right. Um, We did have a message come through from Simon who said there were three diagnosed concussions in last night's game. Every concussion is a brain injury. Nothing PC when you see former players crying in their fifties because they're a burden to their wife and kids. Thanks for your text, Simon. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with you, I know what you're saying, and I don't think I, I don't think that's what Waddle was saying. I think what Waddle was saying is um you know, all of that could be avoided if much like ice hockey, as Sam pointed out, you just let them have a biff and then dealt with it and then gets it out of their system. But uh yeah, I don't think that is gonna happen anytime soon. When we come back here on S E N Z Mornings with Ian Smith, Paul Mowadi from the TAB is gonna join us. Eleven o'clock, and uh, and that Rude Alcaraz game is uh, in a third set tiebreak, tied up at one all at the moment, and one set apiece as well. Uh, joining us to talk about that and other things from the TAB is the one, the only, the legendary Paul Mawati. G'day, Paulie. How are you?
11: Very good, thank you, Ricardo. How are you?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, I'd imagine uh, this uh, US Tennis Open final is uh, keeping your boys on their toes this morning.
11: Yes, as you mentioned, they're into a tiebreak in the third set with the uh, Rude and Alcaraz split in the first two sets. Um, so currently, Alcaraz is a dollar forty-seven to win the US Open men's t- uh, singles title. Casper uh, Rude oh Casper just drifted out to three dollars. Alcaraz now a dollar thirty-three. So I'm guessing that he may have uh, picked up another point in this tiebreaker. Uh, Alcaraz.
3: Yeah, it's 2-1 at the moment, Paulie. Um, and then Rude's just hit another one just about out of the stadium, so 3-1 currently. Alcaraz on that. If Alcaraz wins this, he goes to number one in the world, mate, which would suggest uh, the reign of the Big Three is over?
11: Well, um, I, I guess with none of the Big Three uh, making it through to the... I don't think we the Big Three made... Did they make it through to the quarterfinals, I think? No, um, we, uh, I, I, I don't think anyone. I think Rafa went out in the fourth round. So yeah, and then um,
3: Djokovic and Federer didn't front.
11: No, so it, uh, yeah, I think you're right. We're seeing a changing of the guard here, and um, tennis is still looking bright. I mean, we, we have had that golden age, as you say, with the big three, uh, and I'm sure Djokovic. They've still got a, a few years in them. But, yeah, we've seen a wee bit of a change of the guard here. And whoever does come out on top, Alcaraz or Roode, um they certainly look like they've got big, big futures ahead of them.
3: Yeah, massive, bait, massive. Uh, what about the uh, NFL? It's uh, you know, the first weekend proper of the NFL. Lots of games this morning, uh, some of those still going. Uh, how's that been for you guys? Been a couple of upsets. The Niners getting tipped up by the Bears. And, uh, well, I don't know if it's an upset anymore, but the Pats are getting pantsed by the Dolphins.
11: Certainly the Niners getting upset by the Bears. Um, Didn't get picked by a number of punters and I'm actually in a Survivor League and... uh Three guys are already out round week one of the NFL. So uh, we've got a big game later on this afternoon, though. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cowboys, $2.10 at the moment. The Bucs, $1.74. They're two-and-a-half-point favourites, uh, the Bucks And the line, which was 50 and a half earlier this morning, has now dropped down to 49-and-a-half on the game total. We've got a bonus back uh, promotion on that uh, NFL match as well. Uh, just place a pre match winning team and margin bet uh, on the Cowboys Bucks game today. Uh, and if your team wins, but you've selected the incorrect margin, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet. Uh, check out all the T's and C's at the Punters Lounge. And I can tell you the most popular selection in that winning team and margin market. It's the Tampa Bay Bucks to win by 1 to 13 points at $2.64. I quite like the
3: Cows in this, mate. Now, last time these two met, I think they shared 60 points, and it was a two point win to the Bucks. But uh, the, there's no Gronk yeah. now. There's no Antonio Brown. And, you know, Brady's missed a lot of preseason. So I, I quite like the Cowboys.
11: Yeah, and uh, I notice it's in uh, Smitty's multi today as well, the, the Cowboys to. Uh, uh upset the bucks um but yeah as you say this game was what was it thirty one twenty nine last season uh, to tampa bay and tom brady doesn't have sort of weapons that he used to have but he just doesn't get old he just keeps he just keeps rolling on um what would your Oakland Raiders do with a Tom Brady?
3: Well, that's a good question, mate. Hopefully we don't need him. Four minutes to go in our game. We're down 24-19 against the Chargers. poorly good stuff, mate. Go well, and we'll catch up with you again tomorrow.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
12: This rivalry doesn't take long to yeah, turn the temperature right up. Oh,
3: Kiri lands with another oh, roll. Oh, he's oh, been oh, caught oh, out oh, by Burgess. Oh, Lodge has oh, caught it oh, 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 across oh, the cheek. He might go this far. You're very careless here. Coming to Pé's way. he's been hit
12: by He's
11: not in the bed. It's 13 versus 11.
12: Burgess with the ball. Oh, he slammed into the ground there over the top.
11: He's heading to the ground. Yeah, the that's right. He's to reduce any force there, and you haven't. You're, you're ball.
12: Ball. Get another one. They're going to say this went forward or lost in the tackle. Oh. another run What got Bradley going? Victor's run in, And now they go again.
1: Yeah, we have massive control issues,
11: but you've got to go to the bin now. So, Watson, has he got him high? He's gone e-might he now go again here Evan Radley will have a double seat like
12: Gold Class side by side little recliner is the sin bit if he got him high. Coming in.
1: It's one-on-one, can let you have the opportunity to get anywhere and you make contact with the head. We got seven
0: seven in the bin. Milne's gone twice.
3: Forgive me, Father Vossi, for I have sinned. I enjoyed that far too much last night. As, uh, as, as I'm, I'm picking you did. Uh, I'm in the confessional, mate. Um, how was it for you in the booth?
12: I've uh, been calling the game a long time, been watching the game a long time. And, I mean, I go back to the era, you know, when we had five and ten minutes in, and in, in a totally different game, but I've never seen the likes of it. Um, so much sporting theatre there, so much drama Ah, uh, boy, oh boy. And yeah, I did joke in commentary. I said they'd set up a little confessional box out the front of, of Allianz Stadium yesterday. And, 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 you know, Victor would have to go through twice. Tane Milne would have to go through twice. But to have seven players off in the course of the match, um, I don't know whether we'll ever see the likes of it again. I certainly had never seen the likes of it. It was just the most extraordinary match. And the fact that it's between the two clubs the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, the oldest rivalry in rugby league. Um, you know, it's it's quite incredible that that was tribalism personified and what happened out on the field. Trent Robinson said <laughs> the two teams chose to play that way. It was quite a enlightening press conference by Trent Robinson. But... Um, Wow, what what a start to the final series.
3: Yeah, massive start to the final series, mate. It was uh, a, a fantastic way to wrap the weekend yesterday. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, bringing back the biff or, or, or not. We talked about it earlier today and just saying, you know, in ice hockey they let them fight until they hit the ice and then it stops a lot of the yeah. niggly stuff and it stops a lot of the cheap shots and stuff. What do, you, do, you, do you think there's yeah. any chance they go back in, in, in oh. the NRL at any point? Well, I don't,
12: but there is something that I was calling for this morning, and it, you know, as you watch play unfold yesterday, I, I thought I, I thought there was overreaction to a few things. First of all, I don't think Victor Radley, in the very first instance, the first one with Tane Milne, and I know I saw it live, and I thought, oh, he's, It looked like a punch, but then on review, I thought, nah, there's nothing in that. And I think that's the role of the bunker to not make a hasty decision to really have a think about it. He's the one looking at the replays. I'm sure if he watched it a second or third time, he did. Yeah, look, he did that, but it's not that bad. It doesn't warrant 10 minutes off. But then later in the game, and you heard Ashley Klein there say, now, he said that he got rid of Totola and Radley because, you know, it's escalated. The game's got out of hand. But when you break it down, what Tavita Totola did with a hand on the face went less than a second. I might see that 50 times a game. It really was nothing. And he got 10 minutes in. And Victor Radley running in, don't you think we need to update our read on that? You know, the old-fashioned, well, you run in and look what started. Well, I throw back the question, what started? Nothing started. There are no all-in punches. (laughs) The old days when a player ran in, that sparked a brawl and punches and fighting. That's 10 years ago. You can't keep issuing that caution. You ran in and that escalated. Escalated to what? Escalated to players pulling each other's jersey? You know, Radley went to the bin. Ten players ran in. You know, not all at the same speed as Victor. But you know, the other week, what was it, um, last week, you know, All of uh, in the Newcastle game, 25 players ran in to be involved in a melee where you're just pushing and dragging jerseys. And Tex Hoy stayed out and Tex Hoy scored a try on the next play. I'm saying the league need to have a real good think about that, that if you're going to send players that have been 10 minutes running in, what, you really going to do that? Are you really going to keep doing that? Because nothing happens when they do run in. It's not, a, it's not an ugly look. It's not it's, – if anything, it's a little embarrassing. Nothing happens.
3: I couldn't agree with you more, Vossi. Couldn't agree with you more. What do you, what do you think will happen? Uh, there's so many players put on report. Well, yeah. Do you reckon the Rabbits will be missing a few or will Volandis pull the – it's well, not what the fans want to see and they can all set it out next season?
12: Well, you know what I <laughs> –
3: yes. You know what I think? I think
12: the most contentious one is Thomas Burgess, the hit on James Tedesco. Mm. Now, that's one that didn't lead to a sympathy. Not Not in the first instance. Thomas Burgess – does not get Sinbin for the hit on James Tedesco that took him out of the match. Yet I've got a feeling that might be the biggest charge out of yesterday's game. What does that say about how we're ruling on things? I think Tane Mill will get, I think he gets charged for both his, but I'm I'm not sure how that would work. Is it fine plus fine equals suspension or is it just fine plus fine equals double fine? I'm not sure. I don't think Radley's got anything to worry about. I I wouldn't have thought. Um, Jared Waria Hargreaves, the, the, what, was the, the head slam, that's probably going to get a charge. Jared's had 75 fines this season. He Mars as well have a 76 <laughs> um, to finish the year. Uh, I, uh, but mind you, on a serious note, uh, for players whose season ended yesterday, their next football is the World Cup. Now, in the case of Victor Radley, he's pledged his allegiance to England. Um, I'd be picking Jared for New Zealand, absolutely. Oh, I don't care about the birth certificate. I'm picking Jared to go on the World Cup tour. So, I, I assume that they have to serve if they got a suspension that would have to be the World Cup, which would be very disappointing. Can they play? Say, well, Peter Volandis said Taylor May can serve next year. The fans want me, like Taylor May is allowed to play at the World Cup. Um, can the players make, a, make an application to be able to play at the World Cup and then serve their? Bands next year. I wonder if that will come into play.
3: Mm, that'll be an interesting one. I'll tell you who I reckon the luckiest luckiest bloke in that game was last night. And if he could be done at the judiciary for intent, he would be. And that was Matt Lodge. Boy, if Mark Nichols didn't yep. slip and fall, <laughs> yes. Lodge was clean yes. taking his head off his shoulders with that shot. That
12: is correct. Yes, that's right. And I, and I, I thought of that at the time. I, I think I did say it in commentary. There was so much happening. But we were saying, oh, there's there's circumstances here. Mark Nichols has slipped. But the fact is that Mark Nichols slipped to his advantage because he went under the swinging arm of Matt Lodge. If he stays a little more upright, he cops it right on the button. And that would have been a very interesting moment in all of that. Um, So there was just so many incidents um, yesterday. Look, I'll throw you one out of left field. Latrell Mitchell kicking downfield like an old-fashioned kicking jewel or trying to start a kicking jewel. What the hell was that about? <laughs> <laughs> he just handed the ball back to the Roosters. What year is Latrell Mitchell living in? The Roosters got the ball back 40 out from their own line and by tackle four, they were 10 out from the south line. That was extraordinary. Um, so that was just a game. I See, I call so many matches in the course of a year, I've got to say, Ricardo, that, that, that by the end of the season, I can't remember what I called a week ago. <laughs> like, you know, you'd have to... I'd have to look up what was the score. I did. Oh, that's right, I did that game. Yesterday's game, I will remember for the rest of my life. That's how dramatic it
3: was. Yeah, it was. It was a, uh, incredibly dramatic. Uh, and I know it was a tough weekend for you too, Vossi. You, you lost the title on Friday <laughs> of the Eel Whisperer. Yeah. Uh, how much of that had to do with Mitch Moses getting uh, binned out of the game early with that head knock? <laughs>
12: The juju is dead. Long live the juju is what they're saying over here. Um, so that that's broken. Uh, the Moses um, H, failed HIA obviously had an impact. Jacob Arthur came on and and, and melted. To be honest, you know he mm. put a ball out on the fall and a drop ball. It was it was a frustrating moment, you know, in 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 the moment for the for the young fella. I thought Penrith thoroughly deserved their win, um, and I I look back to a period in the first half when Talon May actually went to the sin bin. I thought that was real championship qualities from Penrith. They were down to 12. Not only did they not concede, um, they scored a converted try while they were down to 12. And I thought that was very impressive because Parramatta had chances on the line. And that was when Moses was on the field. So that was really good from Penrith. And I thought just at the end, though, Parramatta desperately needed Mitchell Moses because when Penrith went up a gear. Sadly, Parramatta didn't get there. And, and I was a bit let down by Clint Gutherson and Dylan Brown. I don't think they brought their regular season end-of-year form to the final series. And once Moses went off, if those other two aren't doing their thing and stepping up, well, then Parramatta didn't have that attacking linchpin that they needed to go with the likes of Nathan Cleary, who starred for Penrith. So um, I'd like to think Parramatta are still a chance, and they are. But boy, oh boy, they need Mitchell Moses to be fit now for Friday night against the Raiders.
3: Yep, they do. They do. If we if we can't, Vossi, if we can't believe in the eel whisperer any anymore, can we at least mm. believe in karma? Given that Taylor May not only copped the yellow, but then pulled a hammy and may amazing. not make the grand final.
12: Amazing, absolutely amazing. The Taylor May situation. Um, look, as we joked, they you know, could he could he have served the Sinbin in round three? Could he have ten minutes off in a round three game next year rather than on the night? All all of those things with Taylor May. Um, was was quite incredible. Uh, I, I think I think what I learnt from most from the weekend, and we're just focusing on Penrith and Parramatta right now. Parramatta, uh, Penrith is still the team to beat. Would, would you agree with that? I mean, hmm. if Penrith play at their best, even though I saw the Cowboys, that was great. The game against Cronulla, the Raiders were really good in beating Melbourne. South Sydney, yeah, you know, that was drama charged. But I still think we're probably avoiding the biggest point out of the weekend. If, Par- if Penrith play at their best. They win the competition. They're, like, they're going to have to do something wrong to lose the title. They're, they're, they're just they're still above all these other sides for mine.
3: Tell you who I, I was really impressed with on the weekend. I, I did pick it. I did pick it um, because of just their head to head form. But, but Ricky Stewart seems to have it over Craig Bellamy, doesn't mm. he? And their fifth, fifth win yeah. in a row in Melbourne for the Raiders.
12: Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll tell you who's terrific. Um, Joseph Tarpenny and Josh Papalihi, just fantastic. You talk about old school, you know, front rowers lay the foundation. Well, it so rings true with Canberra. I mean, they were, they were great. They're, they're great in the first minute and they're great in the last minute. Mm. Um, if Payne Haas, if he thinks he's worth a million dollars, and good luck to him if he gets it, say Joseph Tarpenny's worth 1.5. He's as good as any front row in the game at the moment. Joseph Tarpenny's one of the reasons why I've got New Zealand just about favourites for the World Cup. I mean he's in he's in sensational form. He's a leader. He's got footwork, he offloads, he plays quality minutes. Um, just going superb. And Josh here, he's at the peak of his powers as well. The bigger the game, the bigger he goes. So Canberra's in with a great shot. It's incredible to think that one out of Cowboys, Canberra or Parramatta is going to play in the grand final, Ricardo. One of those sides. If you were to <coughs> pardon me, if you had asked me two weeks ago. Who's the biggest chance of winning a comp? Well, I still had Penrith favourites. I probably then had Melbourne and the Roosters as my next picks. <laughs> They're the first two sides out. So now you're going to get a, a grand finalist out of the Cowboys, the Eels or the Raiders. Talk about having to seize the moment. What an opportunity.
3: Yeah, a bit of a changing of the guard, it feels like. and I, I look at that Melbourne team uh, this year and the fact that they're going to have to run around next year without the Bromwich brothers, without the cheese, without uh, uh, Kalfusi as well. I mean, are we talking about a top eight next year without the Storm, do you think? That's a lot of Ford power to replace. Ooh, yes,
12: agreed. Um, they'd love to know if they can get a full season out of Ryan Pappenhausen fit, because mm. they still have what I see as a big four. They still, If they're fit, they have Pappenhausen, they will have Munster for next year at least. Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant. That's that's your that's your spine, and that's as good as any in the comp. So that's gonna give them a chance. But yeah, they do have to support it. They've signed Qatar, of course, from the Warriors, Tarek Sims headed down at the club. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna to need to put something together. I don't know whether they're they're still in the market for some forwards, but you'd like to think they need to sign some. There's no question they they can't get better. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, they, they will not get better. They can't get better than what they've done through this great era. But will it still be enough to get them in top four contention? I'm not about to write them out of top four contention, but Penrith Penrith's uh, future looks secured for the next few seasons, whereas Melbourne's looks a little more in doubt in terms of being a heavyweight in the competition. Now, I, I still have Melbourne in my eight next year, but I am concerned if I'm a Melbourne fan about, you know, where's the... Where's the big-name forwards coming from?
3: Yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. Well, and that leaves us one game to talk about, and it's the game that I mentioned to you last week seems to have flown under the radar, two teams, and the Sharks and the Cowboys. And, boy, they, oh. they put an absolute arm wrestle on for us as well, didn't they? Oh,
12: well, I think for quality, it may have been the best game of the weekend. And, and I, I didn't expect the number of points. I mean, I, you know, I've been talking up the Cowboys all year about their defence being real. It confirmed for me, again, a point about them that I've been making this year. There may be teams as fit, but there's no fitter team than the Cowboys, and that has been, that's been the case all year. They, they finished strongly. Um, uh, just Todd Payton's done such an outstanding job and Dean Young and co. with this team, a team that, you know, put your hand up. Did you have the Cowboys in your this year? No, my hand's staying down. I, very few people would have. Um, and, and genuinely finished off that game. Jason Malolo, best game of the season. Just enormous, his contribution there um, and uh, and the Valentine Holmes field goal. At the time, look, it didn't even occur to me it was a two-pointer. That's a magnificent strike in, in golden point from 45 metres out. Cowboys, massive hope. Now playing in Townsville in a grand final qualifier in two weeks' time. So they get two weeks just cooling their jets, just preparing for the game. Let me tell you, I'll tell our listeners right now, it's about 27, 28 degrees every day up in Townsville at the moment. You know, that's, that's going to be a shock to the system to whoever has to play them. Um, you know, imagine uh, Canberra going up there in two weeks' time or, or Parramatta. Um, Cowboys, great hope of playing in the grand final.
3: Massive hope, mate. A massive hope at home. That home advantage is, is, is <laughs> going to be absolutely huge for them. All right. Voss, uh, I ask you, who's going to win this weekend? Get your crystal ball out.
12: Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Um, it, it, yeah, for, for Parramatta, if Moses doesn't play, I can't tip them. Can't, I cannot tip Parramatta uh, without Mitchell Moses. Um, but if he plays, I'll, I'll probably – I'll stay with the Eels, but a thriller. Uh, and then for South and Cronulla, ooh, uh, I'll have to wait and see the charge sheet, but I'll go South City. But Tom Burgess, if he's suspended, that's, that'll be a big loss for the Rabbitohs. Enormous loss. Burgess um, in sort of career best form for 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 his front row play. So I'll go Rabados Eels double, and there's zero confidence in that uh, coming to fruition.
3: Ricardo, how's that sound? That sounds good. That sounds good. Thank <laughs> thank you for taking my yeah. confession after <laughs> Sunday, uh, Father Vossi. I appreciate it.
12: Thank you, my son. Uh, yes, all is you, you are forgiven. Um, yeah, whatever you got to do, just.
3: Just play on and be kind to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Go, go well, Vossi. Bye now. Cheers. Andrew Voss there with us. It is uh, 20 past 11 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. A couple of uh, texts coming through asking for the morning multi. If you go to uh, Twitter and have a look there, or if you go to the SENZ page and check out the podcast, it'll all be loaded up there for you to check out. When we come back, we're going to talk Chatham Cup, we're going to talk Kate Shepard Cup, and we're going to get ready to play for a $100 TAB bonus bet with Stumped
5: a couple of months ago, I believe. Uh, coming up to Stumped, we need callers, right? Yeah. So what we did instead, uh, if you're listening now, text Stumped plus your name, where you're from in New Zealand, or even if you want to play from Australia, I don't mind. Um, so can you do that? Probably with TAV, mm, I'm yeah. not sure. Depends let's stick to, to New Zealand here. Up. Let's stick yeah. to the rules here. So text Stumped, your name, where you're from, double eight double three, right now. We all pick two people at random, and we have Kezzy jumping in, and we also have Jake, who uh, a bit of a redemption arc, he failed miserably the last time.
3: Yeah, and I'll give you a heads up here, Uh, both these guys combined age are still about 10 years short of me, Um, so (laughs) I I, I have the wisdom, I have the wisdom,
5: that's what I'm going to say. We'll see, we'll see. But before we get to that, of course, you had a very busy day yesterday out at North Harbour Stadium with uh, a couple of really big finals. Yeah, it's the Kate Shepard Cup final, which is, uh, you know, like the, 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 the
3: Women's FA Cup, basically, and the Chatham Cup final, which is like our FA Cup. So uh, Northern Rovers, which is Forest Hill Milford combined with Glenfield Rovers... They were in the final against Auckland United, which is another amalgamation—only Hunga Sports and uh, three Kings—and uh, yeah, Auckland United under former Kings player Donoso took that out one-nil. So it was a, it was a good game. It was a really good game—the uh, women's final of Ben's game. First half didn't quite live up to it, mm. but it's, uh, Auckland City were just too good in the so suburbs. They won 1-0 as well and pretty much cruised the second half after a brilliant goal from Dylan Mannequin. The best thing that happened all, all weekend out at North Harbour Stadium was Mannequin cutting in from the left onto the right foot. Sort of a, a mirror image of uh, Ian Robin, if you like, and putting one in the top far corner. So, yeah, superb from Dylan Mannequin and well-deserved for Auckland City.
5: As a man who lives a breeze in football, uh, you know, we see the Women's Phoenix there doing great things coming back in the second season. We've got the Women's Football World Cup coming up as well. You watching that Kate Shepard final there, how mm. you reckon in that sort of level of women's football in New Zealand, where are we looking at right now?
3: Yeah, pretty good, man,
5: pretty good. There was a couple of uh,
3: very good players, Ruby Nathan. Uh, I thought stood outside of Millie Clegg. They were both playing for Auckland United. Um, so I thought, yeah, they both went really, really, really well. Katie Duncan was also in that team who's, you know, uh, a pretty experienced mm-hmm. former fern as well. Um, she ended up winning the Maya Jackman Trophy for Player of the Day. So, yeah, I mean, there's some talent there that I, I reckon the
5: Phoenix could do worse than picking up. And of course, if you missed it just before, uh, we're going to do stumped a little bit differently here on SNZ Mornings today. Text double eight, double three text stumped your name where you're from we're going to pick two people at random to play and we have kizzy and jake to play for you stumped we've got the categories there's also a hundred dollar tab bonus bet up for grabs here it's a big one all on the line after you're stumping on friday
3: yeah, exactly. So well, there's a bunch of texts coming through now, so get those through, uh, and we'll choose a couple shortly. Uh, we did get this text earlier, actually, uh, from when we were talking about the Rugby League. Uh, hey, mate, in the old days when a player was a pest, did something dirty, it was just an absolute helmet, you got a whack in the chops by a big prop, and that was the end of it. Nowadays there's no consequences, so they keep doing it and it just racks everything up and the ref loses control like they did last night. Yeah, that's bang on, bang on. So that is our argument that uh, we had with... Sam Hewitt and Watto about bringing back the Biff to Rugby League like it is in ice hockey. He mm. can just punch the pest in the face once he stops doing it and then all the aggro goes.
5: Yeah, and I love how Voss, you said that. That game, he will remember for the rest of his life because just, I mean, how insane it was. I tuned in right as uh, Jared Weir, Hargraves was getting his marching orders, and I thought, oh, here we go. And I think at that point, there'd already been five.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
5: Seven sin
3: in last night's game. Uh, absolutely superb game of rugby league. It had everything. It was like an origin game. We had that sort of intensity. It is half past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Keep your text coming through. Tell us your name and where you're from if you want to play stumped double eight double three having issues with the phone. So we've got a couple of proxies in here who will play for your $100 TAB voucher could be yours
0: 1476 AM in Auckland, this is SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport
6: Ian Smith's had a good match here stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job
5: Yes, we're doing things a little bit differently here. with stumped on SNZ mornings, featuring Ricardo Ball. Now, Ricardo, you went here the last time we did this. We had Smithy in the hot seat with his gloves. Uh, bit of a shootout, a bit different. We we've picked two people at random. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Kis and Jake in the studio, there, ready to go. There on on the line on their mics. They're gonna. They're. I'm gonna say the question. I'll pose the question. Jake or Kieran, you have to say your name. That is your buzzer.
13: Oh, oh, I oh, 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 I see. I see. Okay. I remember this from last time.
5: Yeah. And, four. Two and, four. and uh, if you get it wrong, then again, it's over to Ricardo.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. I see. I
5: see how we're going. Okay. So $100 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs here. The categories to choose from are Ricardo, I'm going to let you pick. Okay. This time, again, right. doing things a bit differently. Football, mm. as in soccer football. Yeah. NFL, as in American football. Yeah. Or rugby league.
3: Oh, tempting, tempting. I'm looking at Jake and Kez both asking me to pick soccer football. Uh, so I'm going to go soccer football, mate. Let's oh, make it a challenge. thank you. were oh, you going to
5: throw them under the bus, but well, all right, here we go. Good luck to you all. Not sure.
3: <laughs> Do we know who's playing for who? Do we, have we yes. Okay. So
5: good. we have Kurt from Palmy. Jake is your man. Yeah, yeah. Kyle from Or. Kizzy is your man. Let's go, Kyle. Here we go. All right. First question Who is the coach of the football ferns? Let's see you. Some brains really, really tuning into over your her face. I yeah. can
3: see your face. I know. I know the answer to this. I don't know how to pronounce it.
13: Well, really.
4: wow, mm. you know,
5: you I mean, you're, I'll take a uh, wrong pronunciation over no name at all.
4: <laughs> Jake, you got this one.
13: I don't know the name mate <laughs>
4: You go for it You go for it I'm backing you Come on Kizzy. Nah it's on the tip of my tongue Hold on give me two seconds Logan. Okay one Two Ricky got it mate <sighs> Yitka cover. That's a it That's a couple of chips Down the wicket Right in the slot And the it goes who am I playing for? Am I playing for me?
5: Fine, You're playing ma- for you. You're I'm playing, playing for the house. You're playing for the yeah, jackpot. Yeah. Okay.
4: Kyle, I'm sorry. I should have just said it. I should have just said it. Does that mean Kez has to leave now? Because you got that wrong? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. It's sort of it's, it's loose rules here when we play it like this, mate. Okay, so it's a bit, right. bit more for fun. Second question. Who are the current champions of the A-League Women's League?
13: I feel like we had something similar to this last time we played. When I played and disappointed poor Smithy. <laughs>
5: Um I also like neither of you actually said your name for buzzers yet. Yeah,
4: certainly so. there's there's lots of umming going on. Mm. If I have a guess, does Jake get a guess? Yep.
5: Oh no, no. If he gets it wrong, it's over to Ricardo.
4: You Me mean okay. Jake's sort of playing a bit of tag yeah. team here just to get yeah. Ricardo. Okay, you know what, Kieran. Yep.
8: Melbourne. City. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
5: Hmm. Feel like Ricardo might potentially get another wicket here.
3: Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Actually, I was. I'm, I'm struggling to remember.
4: No, you know, Rick. Stop playing the game. Okay. I'm,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna roll with the cross down rivals and go Melbourne victory.
5: That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right
6: in the slot, and where it goes.
5: Yep. Third title there for Melbourne victory. Uh. Potentially a little tricky question there, if you weren't listening, but Sydney FC were the premier years of that season as well. Mm. So, yep, Melbourne victory. So, you're two for two, Ricardo. So, 150 uh, jackpot is on the line here. But, hey, Kurt from Palmy, Carl from Wairoa, you could still potentially win the $100 TAB bonus bet here. But for that to happen, one of these guys have to get this right.
3: Okay. Yeah. See so we go.
5: So, oh, I love. I love when the music dips out. Here we go. This one's hard. I mean, it's stumped. Don't argue with me here. This is stumped. This is the rules as I make them up as I go. <laughs> Which Wellington Girls' School have the Phoenix recently gone into partnership with as part of their Women's Academy program? Mm,
13: See so I'm not from Welly. I feel like it would have to be a Welly school. That just makes sense, doesn't
4: it? What, Jake? He said it's a Welly school.
13: Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you said well, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think you, you clarified the Wellington <laughs> school part. Sorry, yeah, mate. Missed that part.
4: Jake, I've said the last two, so you got to have it correct. Tell you what, mate. I know
13: zero skills from Where's Wellington. Man, when you yeah.
4: Our main oh, tick tech- was too busy fixing. They the were phone. talking
13: about schools before though, but mm. in Wellington. Give me, give
4: me an answer here, guys. Surely we can get a close, so we can hook one of the boys up with a voucher. Yeah. Well. Because this has been shocking From Jake and I
5: Okay The name Has a royal sound to it
13: Would have been quite topical
5: I'm not giving you A second
13: clue there (laughs) Logan
5: how
4: about A second clue there
13: (laughs) Come on boys Come on Sort yourselves out Jake you got this out (laughs) Uh, Look I'm gonna Lock in something A wee bit skewiff Not sure if this is a school But let's uh, lock in like Queen's College. Queen's College?
8: One of the worst things oh,
3: that is I have ever things. seen <laughs> I can, <done laughs> I can, on a I can field. see where you're going yeah, with that. You're with the Royal. But this is Queen TC. adjacent. It's St. Margaret's.
1: One of the worst oh.
9: things
5: oh. Oh. i
1: oh. St oh.
8: Margaret's
5: on a cricket field. Scott? Uh, you you kind of got your wires a bit crossed there, Ricardo. Mm. It was Queen Margaret oh.
13: College. Oh. So you got yeah, so between the two
5: of you, there would have been a correct answer. Been, yeah. But yeah. I need a correct answer. So we're going to shift. This is what we did last time. Queen Margaret. We're going sh- to shift to the next uh, to, <laughs> to the next topic in line. We're oh, going to go rugby league here, guys. Oh, oh no. Oh. All right. Who is the first player to be sind binned two times in a match twice? Don't point at me, Jake. Jake, don't oh. point at me. Pressure is on. Kurt from Palmy, Carl from Wairoa,
13: they're both there playing for you guys. Because there was that one last night, wasn't there? Where there was oh, seven yellows and. So, one Ricardo, night. this is them trying to work
4: things out like Smithy yeah. does. No, it was, yeah, me and Jake are like a weird team right yeah. now. Yeah, Cause we're just, we're just trying to. Yeah, because Ricardo is the quiz master here. Yeah. So, um And I, I, I don't watch Rubber League.
13: See, I just need a redemption after last time because. I yeah. need him,
4: just just give me your name, Jake. Just throw. Do you know anyone? I don't know. Okay, I'll just. Oh, Kyle, I'm so sorry, mate. Kieran. Yep. Alex Johnston, I know it's not him because he scored his thirtieth. Oh. One of the worst yep. things, yeah,
8: yep. I have ever <laughs> seen. Yep. Done
5: I know, done on a
4: I know, I know, I know. Logan, stop.
5: Come on, come on, Ricardo, come on. So the
3: question is, who's the first player to be in twice in a match? Is that what you said?
5: For the second time
3: in their career. For the second time in their career, Victor Radley.
4: That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. Sting oh, Christ was my next go. <laughs> that, just, that just shows
3: my rubber league knowledge there. I'd have got no clue. You should have said Kempy; you would have been closer. <laughs> we, might, we, might,
4: we, might, we might have
3: given you that well, anyway, just for comedic value. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah
5: exactly. so what that means, unfortunately, Kurt from Palmier, Kyle from Wairoa, you don't win today, neither... Does Kezzy or Jake? Ricardo wins, the house wins, $150 TAB bonus bet is what is up for grabs tomorrow. Can, can you I just
4: text yeah. it in the correct answer? Can I just say, Kyle, I'm so, so sorry, yeah. mate. Like, honestly, I yeah, think I was set up here. Yeah. It was last minute, you know, my brain's a bit frazzled. <laughs> I've just come in here, and Brian, for you out the bet there, Brian, you can title this. The worst stump by Smithy ever seen
10: uh, <laughs> no, I'll
13: I'll put, Don't, don't involve me in this mate Don't no, involve yeah, me I've this already been no, roasted no, yeah, for the past okay, few you can months about it. mine
4: who's the, who's the worst stumped twice in a row? There's your, there's your there question you yeah, Jake. Jake, um, Jake Thank yeah, you very much
3: yeah, team well Alright thanks boys Thanks for not much uh, for coming in <laughs> 19 away from midday here on Mornings with a Smithy
0: Summer or winter He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SENZ
3: it's uh, 14 away from midday here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. He is, of course, being part of the Sky Sports team covering the Chapel Hadley series out of Australia. He'll be back for you Wednesday. A couple of pieces of news that have come through in the last hour. One of them is that uh, Gemma Lewis who has been the under-20s coach for the New Zealand women and the A-League women's coach for the Wellington Phoenix, has uh, left her role. She's stepped down to go back. She's a former Welsh international player. She's going back to Wales to be a pathway manager uh, for the Welsh FA, which means that Natalie Lawrence, who has been her uh, assistant has stepped up, she has already been named as the replacement, so she will be the head coach for the Wellington Phoenix women's team for the coming season, they've already contracted 13 of the 18 players uh, they need for their squad so hopefully minimal disruption Uh, yet to hear who will be uh, her assistant going forward, but uh, hopefully Natalie will join us tomorrow here on Mornings with Ian Smith and we can get uh, some of that news for you and I tell you if you're a fight fan Here's some big news. If you're a fight fan and you um, haven't been able to watch boxing in a long time because it's on pay TV, well – world class boxing prospects David Naika and Hemi Ahiho will follow in the footsteps of the Great David Tour and showcase their talents to a bumper live free to air Kiwi TV audience in October. Yep, TVNZ are going to show live boxing for the first time since 2007 on October the 16th both fighters have been named on the undercard of the big world title fight out of Melbourne between George Cambosis Jr and the current undisputed world champion Devin Hayes that's taking place in Melbourne October 16th, it is going to be live on TV here in New Zealand and we're going to have a couple of Kiwis on the undercard which is great news um, there's some big, been some big numbers boxing has loved in this country and in fact, you know the last time we had a fight here in this country that was on live to air TV uh, like a world title fight was David Tour when he fought against Lennox Lewis in 2000 the numbers that that attracted was 200,000 more than people that watched the wedding of Charles and Diana, it was 83% of the entire country tuned in.
5: I remember that day so well because I'm pretty sure that was also also the launch of the Channel 4, the fact that we had a fourth channel in New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> on Free Air TV. Wow, crazy thing. That was so long ago. And I remember that, like, as clear as day because there was the Tour Linux fight going on. I was really excited about uh, Beavis and Butthead coming to TV here in New Zealand. because <laughs> Channel 4 had that. Oh, yeah, on Channel 4. Yeah, that was huge. So the fact that we're now going to get more, like, premier boxing like that on Fruity Air TV here in New Zealand – uh, that's just going to be awesome. And, I mean, you know, we, we had a stumped question last week about David Nika's four pro fights. He's one or more. So really looking forward to seeing how his career progresses here. And this is a great moment for him.
3: Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, we are going to have David Nika on the show tomorrow from 11 o'clock as well. So if you're a fight fan, make sure you tune in to catch that. When we come back, you are going to catch up with Mark Stafford and find out what's happening on SCNZ from midday.